And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report coming to you live from our radio and C television studios here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania. Back live on video for those watching this. Uh, obviously, you can tell those listening on Global Star. I want to say thank you so much, uh, uh, Global Star, for, for carrying our program. Thank you uh, to each one of you for your belief and your trust in us. Joe, come on in right now. Right now. Come on in. Yeah, great to be here. Great to be back on the screen. We got a great show lined up for you tonight. Um, <clears throat> folks, go to HagmanReport.com each and every day. We update that with the latest important news, content, and information. And in case you missed it, uh, I think it was Friday, Liz Crokin posted a story that's I'd say has gone viral. It is going viral still. Please go to HagmanReport.com and, and check out her story. Because I'll tell you what, Skippy, we're coming for you. Coming for you, Skippy. Go ahead. I just wanted to insert that in there. Well, the reason I, I brought that up again by Crokin is because it's back on the, the top of the page. So, uh, folks, again, go to HagmanReport.com. Check out her latest article, President Trump Zeroes In on Elite Pedophiles. Again, it's reposted at the top. It was posted Friday, but if you missed it, make sure you go back and check it out. Also, uh, if you go under where the articles are and it says load more, you click load more, we have more original content. Stephen Menking posted his podcast and, uh, we are going to, we are continuing to grow our, um, our website by allowing other writers to, to post on, on Hagman Report. And we also have another article, uh, from Peter Choka, who's going to be on with us tomorrow. Uh, he's the Chowka, American, yeah. the writer for the American Thinker. He, he's a this great is a guy. follow up to the Murdoch Boys article he wrote yesterday. Last week's ratings are in. More bad news for the struggling Fox News Channel. That's right up there on the front page. But tonight we got a great show lined up for you. Now, before Tara, you, before you move on, I just want to just mention that I, I've had a chance, Joe, and I'm not sure how we, uh, uh, if you and I spoke about this, uh, I've had a chance to get to know Peter Chowka and, uh, his, He's quite the intellect, I'll tell you that. Um, his writing into the, um, his investigation and research into, into the health, natural health, cancer, that kind of stuff, kind of like what Dr. Ted does. Brilliant man. Peter Chauka is a brilliant man. Um, I just wanted to say that coming out of the gate. So the article yesterday at American Thinker is extremely important. And if you uh, please go to that, go to HagmanReport.com and click on the link to that article from yesterday from the American Thinker. Please read that. Understand the, it doesn't matter if you, if you like Fox News or don't like Fox News, what is taking place behind the scenes. It's not what, perception is, is reality, it seems like, but, but the reality is, is twisted by the perception that's being thrust down other people's throats. Anyway, Joe, I also want to mention to the listeners out there, John Robertson was on the Kate Daly show today. 
This is a great interview. Oh, I'm going to tell you, it's one of the greatest interviews, I believe, one of the greatest appearances by John Robertson ever, ever. Uh, Kate Daly, of course, on Fox News. Um, John Robertson is the program director and producer of the Hagman Report. Um, we, we will put a link up when I, I we, we have our homepage. I'm not sure, Joe, if I, uh, and John, if you, if you want to send us the link or put the link up on the Hagman Report, because it, you, people really need to hear that hour that you're on the Kate Daly show. You were just, you just knocked it, knocked it right out of the park. And I was on yesterday with Kevin Ship on the Intelligence Hour, and, uh, that's got some very interesting reviews. We got in, in Kevin Ship, for those who don't know, former CIA officer, we had some off the books discussions. Oh man. All I can, uh, all I can say is the United States of America as a constitutional republic is in, is in grave danger. It, it, it and it's not, it's not from Donald Trump, of course, but it's from the, the, the opposition to Donald Trump. And the more I, the more I investigate this, and Joe, I know that you were working on this too. I think the more we get into this, the more we see the opposition that's growing against Donald Trump, the more that, uh, we can see that this is not, um, that Donald Trump is, is the real deal. He's not part of the, uh, deep state apparatus. He may be making some decisions that seem that way or be, there might be things that they're cornering him on, but the bottom line is, um, he's not part of that, that click. But anyway, go ahead. I'm going to turn it back to you now. Well, we got, uh, Tara McCarthy, who is going to be joining us in just a moment. It looks like she's there. But one of the things, one of the interesting storylines that have come out of DC, um, with the Comey testimony, there are stories on the New York Times, the Washington Post, and others that are that are reporting that James Comey basically was a victim of Donald Trump type of sexual assault. The New York Times ran a story, James Comey and the Predator-in-Chief, where they outline the personal meetings between James Comey and Donald Trump and compare it to uh, the, the similar <laughs> sexual harassment in the workplace where, where a woman is coerced or harassed by their boss, and this you is know, what they're comparing. We how talked Comey, about that yesterday. It's just crazy to me that how far they've taken it. WorldNet Daily did a great piece on it, and Rush Limbaugh, uh, he he said a few things about it today, but uh, yesterday or today. But it's it's just really crazy. I mean, I don't even know who who makes this stuff up, but you know the way that they portray it, where they say. You know, Trump wanted to get Comey alone, and when they did, Comey froze his facial expressions. He didn't, you know, he didn't move. He didn't speak or change. Was, change was Comey sexually script. intimidated? Is that what? That's you're... what they're saying. Wow, that's what they're saying. And even um, Newsbusters have has this article from two days ago. James Comey as Anita Hill, L.A. Times and Washington <laughs> Post go there. And Anita Hill was the woman who charged uh, Clarence Thomas. It's on top of my coke can. Yeah, you put it there. Well, it's just, it's just uh, it's just crazy to read this. So, again, uh, the New York Times, Washington Post, and others are portraying Comey to uh, basically uh, being sexual harassed by Donald Trump. And, and again, the article in the New York Times is predator in chief. But uh, you know, that's just and Rush Limbaugh said it best. You know, stuff that 
would be sat- considered satire is actually the the talking yes. points for um you know these democratic politicians but, but, but and, the, and news outlets just that tactic though joe and and then ladies and gentlemen of of the the victimization tactic the uh, um and especially the sexual harassment okay you might think that this is so far out in left field that it's ridiculous it, and it is but again, it's the tactics of the deep state of the Saul Alinsky disciples that we are seeing. And, you know, um, <laughs> we, we, we saw it against Sean Hannity, in my professional opinion, by, uh, in my professional opinion, a serial stalker. Uh, you know, these ridiculous allegations. But you see, that's the narrative that these Idiots, these morons, these, uh, these spiritual bankrupt, morally bankrupt individuals who strive and struggle for relevance because they have no relevance. They, they, there are many reasons for this. Some reasons are to, for relevance, um, jealousy yeah. and envy. Others are personal, professional attacks. Uh, and, and to, just an example of this. Um, this article from World in the Daily sums it up nicely, uh, where it says most Americans believe the drama between FBI Director Comey and Trump was all about alleged Russian interference. But here's the real shocker. It was actually about an abusive and predatory seducer, President sexually intimidating his helpless victim, Comey. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. President Trump behaved as if he wanted to get the six foot eight inch FBI director between the sheets, or at least, uh, that's the truth according to the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, and the Washington Post. James Comey and the Predator-in-Chief, again, is from the, the New York Times. And, you know, the article starts out by talking about uh, the June 8th testimony before the Senate Intelligence Committee reminded her of an, of an experience of a woman being harassed by her powerful predatory boss. There you go. There was There it is. There it's, was precisely that sinister a, yeah. air of coercion yeah. of an employee helpless to avoid contact with an employer who is trying to grab what he wants, she explains. This was the author for from the piece from the New York Times. But you guys get the idea. Yep. Pure insanity. Insanity, indeed. But, um, but again, it's designed and, and the, the tactics are, are old. They're moldy. They're just, but, but see people still not understanding, uh, really what's taking place. They, they, they fall for this. And this is why it's important. Sometimes it seems like we talk about the same thing over and over again, but it, for example, IQL Rizzoli came in yesterday talking about Sharia, what Sharia law is. We had Randall Terry on. You hear essentially the same thing from two different people, and you might hear two or three different times. It's because we need to pound home this information. Because we, when we have, when we are confronted with the enemies of truth, we should have at our disposal immediate mental recollection and be able to, right from the top of our head, uh, tell our intellectual opponent why, for example, Sharia is antithetical to the Constitution, what Sharia is. We should have all of this at our fingertips or at least being able to draw on this mentally with, with, uh, and very quickly. So your mental prowess and acuity is extremely important when we talk. And especially if someone shoves a camera or a microphone in your face, you better be on, you know, you better be able to refute the other side's argument. Um, and, and Alex Jones, you know, uh, does this very well. It was interesting, Megyn Kelly, 
well, I'll tell you what. We'll talk about that another time. I know that uh, his interview with Megyn Kelly is scheduled for this weekend, uh, to, to be aired this weekend. I've got some thoughts on that. Um, and, again, I'm, I support Alex Jones. I support InfoWars. I know what's going on behind the scenes. Do not believe everything what you hear. Uh, don't believe much of anything if it's uh, being critical of Alex Jones because he is being set up in a whole different – the way he's being set up right now in InfoWars, they're under severe attack. Trust me when I tell you. And nothing is as it appears to be. Joe, I'm going to kick it over to you. Let's let's bring in uh, yeah. Tara from. And by the way, T- Tara is from. It, we are talking to her from London, UK, where it's uh, she's five hours ahead. So it's after midnight there on Wednesday. So yeah, with us we have uh, Tara McCarthy, RealityCallsShow.com, and the YouTube is Tara McCarthy. If you just search there. It's great to have you back on, Tara. How's it going? Great to join you again. Um, unfortunately, things aren't going that great in Europe, but um, it's going fine for me. So thank you. <laughs> well, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk. By the way, you look uh, you look great, especially for being so late there. You look uh, you look fabulous and wide awake. But but uh, what's going on in Europe? I, I I thought everything was just rosy. It's 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 the socialist <laughs> utopia over there, right? In fact, I'm going to get myself a villa. Yeah. Uh, okay. No. What's what's up, Tara? Oh, it's um. So we had the recent British election, and uh, so our, our our prime minister Theresa May, who was with the Conservative Party, she called an election um, because she thought that if she called it at this time, uh, electively, um, she she was way ahead in the polls, and they'd get in for another five five years secured that way. Um, but strangely enough, and I actually can't make heads or tails of this myself, um, the Labour Party, like the leftist party, dramatically gained um, support and they actually like snuck in with, with a, what we call a hung election, a hung parliament where it, neither party really won. So now they have to negotiate um, who's in power, basically. So it, that was unexpected. Um, I think most people are expecting conservatives to win. Um, and these conservatives, you know, they're not, they're not like Trump, like they're not like nationalists, they're, they're globalist conservatives, so they're not that great, but they're still somewhat preferable to the uh, globalist leftists that we have over here who are like everything... Um, but insane, it's you know borderline insane. These people, they they really believe that we can just open our borders at the same time, offering free healthcare, free dental, free housing, free like everything uh, to all of the so-called refugees. These are just people who are getting in blow-up boats and literally just making it across the Mediterranean Sea into Europe. Um, they really believe we can offer them free everything when they're not even literate in their own languages. None of them, like virtually none of them have paperwork. Mm. Um, and it's, it's pretty obvious to most people, I think, that the majority of these, these people coming over, they're not even from Syria. They're just coming, uh, for the, for the freebies, basically. Um, meanwhile, our social security system, you know, it's just, it's, it's, uh, 
not going to be able to to bear the extra burden that's being put on it. It can't even bear the burden that's already on it. Um, and so everything is just basically crumbling here in Europe. Um, these social welfare systems that they had going um, that worked for like the past 60 years or so, um, they're really, I think, on their last legs. And the politicians... They have this crazy idea that if they just keep inviting in more people, it'll somehow work out in the end. Fabulous. What could possibly go wrong there, Tara, really? And if you don't mind, uh, Tara, I apologize. Can you just give us a, kind of go back what you were saying earlier. If you can kind of give us a um, overview, a UK 101 the different parties you mentioned the Tory party the Labour party uh, mm-hmm. what they stand for because the majority of our audience here in the United States um, have a hard time I, in fact I, I do as well at times remembering who is who and what is what so Theresa May is which party? she's conservative, conservative. Um, okay. it's uh, there's a guy called Vox Day who's actually termed coined the term conservative, which is a name that we give uh, people who are conservative, but they seem to only care about, like, taxes and things like this. They, they, uh, they don't actually care about conserving their own country, for example. Um, so it's kind of like a globalist type of conservative conservatism, which is really just all about, you know, how can we boost our economy? And uh, meanwhile, you know, they're just creating a catastrophe in our actual country, reducing the standard of well-being, standard of living for actual native people in the country. Um, and that, you know, they're all into the corporations and getting bank hands out and all this kind of thing. Um, and then we've got the Labour Party, which is our version of Democrats, uh, um, and they're very similar, actually. I think they're more similar to Democrats than our Conservative Party is to Republicans. Um, and, yeah, we've got Jeremy Corbyn, um, who heads for Labour Party, and he's very much, uh, you could very easily relate him to Bernie Sanders. You know, he's one of these guys, again, he just wants everything to be free. Like, if we just make more free stuff, everyone will be happy, everything will work out fine. <laughs> These people just don't seem to be able to do basic math in their heads. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he's always, um, you know, whoever the most oppressed people are in society, he's always trying to, you know, let them um, be bounced up the victim hierarchy, you know. So, um, you know, the one thing I do respect about Jeremy Corbyn is that he is he does come across as very authentic, you know, so at least he believes in what he's saying. Um, unlike Theresa May, who, when she's speaking, it's like she's basically saying nothing because she just uses these, like, words that can be interpreted anyway by multiple different people in different ways. So um, hmm. she she does not come across as very uh, authentic to me. Um, but either way, you know, neither of them actually nationalists, neither of them actually care it doesn't seem to me actually care about the long-term future of our country. Um, they're both just trying to make a point uh, relating to their ideology. They don't seem to actually care about the people who live in our country. Okay. All right. Wow. Okay, so, well, thank you for that refresher. Go ahead, sir. The, so the elections that were called by Theresa May, she did not <clears throat> win uh, the way that she thought she was going to do. Do you think that it was 
directly related to her reaction to the the terror attacks? Uh, well, that might have caused some people not to bother showing up to vote for her, um, because obviously she does not take a very strong stance whatsoever when it comes to um, the Muslim terror attacks that are happening in the UK and Europe. Um, she, she's, she's basically. I, I personally think that if if people are continuing to allow uh, these very highly risky groups of so-called refugees into our country, they're basically endorsing terrorism at this point. Like, there are other ways that we can help these refugees. If they, if they really are refugees, there are other ways we can help them. Um, we, can, we can situate them in parts of the world where they don't feel compelled to start blowing things up. <laughs> you know, because since the West has been at war with many countries in the Middle East, it makes sense that Muslims, you know, don't really feel kinship with us at this time in history. Mm. So it makes sense that they are hostile towards us. So it would make sense for us to uh, attempt to create, you know, temporary locations where they can be safe um, in in parts of the Middle East rather than just inviting them all into Europe where it's a dramatically different culture, they don't speak the language, they don't understand basic concepts such as it's not acceptable to go around raping 10-year-olds. Um, they don't they don't want to create, they, they like their own culture, they want to do their own thing, uh, and that's why we're getting these ghettos in Europe now, um, because they like living with each other, they, they don't want to um, integrate at all, they like their own shops, they business with each other, um, and ultimately, the, I've had stories of them basically setting up their own May forms of law enforcement government in their own areas and not allowing our police into those areas basically so so but this is Muslim these are Muslims because I mean that that's the refugees the Muslims so what you're saying is that they're not assimilating they're setting up their own enclaves with their own system of government essentially gee word we hear that before hmm but that's what's yeah, very typical yeah. I mean, this is basically predictable, right? I mean, you don't have to ob- observe it for very long to see what's going on here. Um, yet somehow our politicians just turn a blind eye to it, act like everything's great, you know, act like we're just a really great example of multiculturalism. Isn't it awesome? Meanwhile, you know, um, people are probably thinking twice about attending concerts now because they don't want to get blown up. That's sad. When... when- when a country, when, when people are living in a country have to think twice about, uh, or, or, or make decisions on, uh, attending a concert or whatever, uh, going out in public because of the threat of terrorism, it, uh, it definitely is a new day. Tara from London, UK, live with us now. Tara, your audio is a little bit, uh, scrambled. It's kind of coming in scrambled. So I just want to kind of Give you a heads up here. We're about a minute and a half, two minutes before the bottom of the hour break. Perhaps we can reconnect with you um, during that time. It's just you're. We want we want your audio to be good, people to hear you. Um, so I just want to kind of give you a heads up on that. Uh, but we got a few questions from chat. Yeah. When yes. we come back. Yes. The break. So what we're going to do, Tara, is um, just reconnect with you here momentarily. Uh, because again, we, every word that you do say is important, uh, to, to our audience. 
Tara McCarthy Reality Calls Show dot com. You've got to tune into her show. So many people here in the United States are so um, uh, they just they just love Tara McCarthy. They love her what she's doing. Uh, in fact, the tagline of her show is "Let's make Western civilization great again," which is kind of isn't that isn't that what we are attempting to do as well? Uh, so Tara McCarthy realitycallsshow.com it's linked mm-hmm. off of our website she does great work has a great uh, show we're going to we're going to in, in fact if she's back up what we can do is if we, if this is possible we can bypass the network break and and just keep her on now, let's do that okay so Joe I'll kick it to you you say we're going to skip the break yeah if we can if we can bypass okay. the network break if if she's back up Okay. Um, and we, we appreciate Global Star Radio Network for allowing us to do that. Go ahead. We got a, a question from chat. Tara, can you explain the DUP party? DUP, I'm not sure what for long form. Um, I haven't heard of that one. Okay. Okay. Uh, no worries. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, just back to the election real quick. Theresa May, they lost their, and the conservative party lost the majority. Uh, so now you say they're going to have to be negotiating um, with each other. And uh, mm-hmm. refresh my memory, I think I heard that Theresa May still uh, petitioned to, to be able to form her own government even without the majority. I think she petitioned the Queen or something. Uh, right. Yeah, but I wouldn't ask me because um, conservatives did get, they did they technically get the majority of the seats, it's just that it's not quite enough uh, for them to be able to claim um majority if that makes sense got it okay tara we're still having some issues with the with the audio you're coming uh uh, folks she's in london uk it's just a little scrambled yeah so Uh, what we're going to do is we will take the network break right now get the audio fixed come back and uh continue with 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 uh tara mccarthy from reality calls and folks uh, uh, we have tara mccarthy until the end of this hour in the next hour john rapaport will be our guest and in the third hour, Stan Deo will be joining us as he does each and every Tuesday in the third hour. Wanted to make sure I, I got that out. I didn't get that out earlier. And also tomorrow, um, we have a, a great roundtable discussion in the third hour. Liz Crokin, uh, Honeybee, and uh, Mr. Sawyer will be joining us in the third hour tomorrow. So make a note of that. But when we come back, Tara McCarthy from Reality Calls, realitycallsshow.com, and Tara McCarthy on YouTube. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. 
T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. Kirkus Review states, Readers of End Times Fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Week Reviews boldly states, Fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. Uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Our guest, Tara McCarthy, realitycallshow.com, and Tara McCarthy on YouTube. Um, make sure you go there, check out the, the YouTube channel, and subscribe for those of us watch, those of you watching on YouTube. Um, we're going to get into some, some refugee news, some United Nations news. I want to hit this headline first, and then I'm going to turn it over to Tara. EU launches legal cases against Hungary, Poland, Czech Republic for not taking in refugees. This article will be up on, on Hagman Report soon. The European Commission has launched legal action against three EU member states claiming Poland, Hungary, and the Czech Republic have not taken the necessary action in dealing with migrants and refugees. Infringement proceedings were launched by Brussels on Tuesday. Warsaw, Budapest, and Prague have been accused of not fulfilling their obligation in dealing with migrants and refugees, according to a 2015 plan. The three EU states have acted in breach of their legal obligations, the Commission said in a statement, adding that it had previously warned the countries to observe their uh, commitments to Greece, Italy, and other member states. Czech Republic, Hungary, and Poland have not yet taken the necessary action, claiming that the three 
uh, EU members have not yet relocated a single person. That's, so they're being uh, sued by the EU, yep. taken to court. Tara, during a break we were talking um, about refugees and about, uh, you mentioned uh, something about uh, a UN plan that you recently read. Can you, plan. Yeah, yeah. Can you go into, into details on that? Yeah, so the UN actually has a plan that they're calling replacement migration. Um, they are literally planning to replace the native people of Europe. Um, and they're, they're doing this by right now what they, they're calling refugees, right? They call, um, all of these people who are just coming over in boats being smuggled in, um, you know, trekking through various different countries such as Turkey to get through into Europe um, and they're coming from the Middle East, they're coming from Africa um, but the, ma- the majority of these people are not refugees uh, the majority of these people are young men um, who are coming to Europe for economic reasons there's a good economic incentive for them to come into Europe um, and we're constantly being told by the globalists, um, by the leftists, um, by the UN, oh, these people are some desperate refugees. Like, you have to give them um, shelter. You have to let them come into your country. You have to give them uh, free health care, free dental, free housing, um, free everything. Actually, one person even suggested the reason that we were suffering so many terrorist attacks was because we needed to give them better housing, better free housing, bigger houses, right? Um, so, and anytime something happens, it's our fault. We're not being welcoming enough. We're not taking in enough refugees. We're not, um, we're not accommodating them well enough. Um, but yeah, the UN literally has a plan that they're calling replacement migration, and they talk about how they want to replace the native people of Ireland, England, France, Germany, um, and various other countries, Sweden. They they don't want us to exist as independent uh, nations anymore. They want to. Um, I think they actually just want to form a one world government, and this is their way of doing it by uh, rooting people um, and making us all kind of just mixed uh, and no one uh, really has any value for their ancestral homeland anymore because they are taken away from it, or because those people whose ancestral homeland it was have actually been wiped out and uh, an Irish professor predicted that in 300 years if current um, trends continue uh, Europeans won't will be less than 90% of the population sorry I think there'll be less than 10% of the population in half of European countries as things like they will basically be extinct well you're right it's uh, definitely being done by design and I think you're right on the money but for the by who, of why. Um, Tara, if you had to point your finger, if you were in a courtroom and, and the world is, is, is the, uh, uh, the gallery, if you had to point to people and identify them, who's behind this, this push, this most recent push, whether it's people in government, NGOs, um, people here in the United States, people in, in other countries, I mean, who would you point to? Well, it's certainly not a single person, um, nor nor do I think it's a single group. Um, I, I think it is just simply people 
who absolutely detest Western civilization. They resent um, the beautiful um, societies that Europeans have created. They hate beauty. They um, they hate the family. They hate people having national pride, and they want to get rid of it. They want us all just to be like automaton serfs, you know, with no history, with no um, with no pride in our in who we are. Uh, and this is why we're constantly seeing, um, for example, in America and in Europe as well. But I know it's happening a lot in America. Um, white men are just constantly told that they are, you know, the picture of evil, basically. Um, I was constantly told when I was younger in England, um, I constantly heard the phrase, oh, this, this town is too white. <laughs> you know, small English town. This town is too white. You're telling the people who've been living there for thousands and thousands of years that there's something wrong with them being the way they are? Celebrate diversity, but it's not even that. It's shoving the so-called diversity down our throats to, to, to say this town is too white. Uh, that to me, that that's just that's a horrific thinking, and, and uh, it's uh, I, it's hard for me to even comprehend. We have a lot of people, Tara, asking, um, and forgive forgive the personal nature of this question, and certainly you can decline to answer it. A lot of people are worried about you. A lot of people are concerned about your, um, about you living in the UK, talking as you are. And any time you can get that knock on the door from the police saying, "Hey, we're going to investigate you, or we're investigating you for hate speech." The question is from our listeners, and we've got a number of questions uh, about this: Is are you coming to the United States? Are you going to be? You have plans to come to the United States? Yes, I will. Hopefully, I'll be in the US very soon. Hopefully. Okay. All right. Again, that's that question is not to be personal, but it's out of an abundance of concern for you and uh, care for you. So, okay, good. So there you go, folks. They were asking the question. Uh, she's coming. So, uh, but which, by the way, Tara, you, uh, are, are you experiencing any kind of blowback from your appearances on our program or other programs or your own program uh, for this uh, for hate speech? You know. Air quotes. Oh yes, um, I've been threatened by various different groups of people, um, including Black Lives Matter. They've tried to hack my website. Uh, you know, threatened um, physical violence, that kind of thing. Um, so far, it's been toothless, but it's always a possibility. And you know, yes, it is stressful, but I don't live in silence. I can't watch what's happening without saying something. So. And I would rather take whatever risks are involved and speak out about it. Okay. Tara, i got a question going back to the last terror attack um, that happened in London. There was uh, a heavy, after the Manchester attack, there was a, an army presence and a heavy police presence. Has that uh, subsided in the last, uh, since the attacks happened? Well, I personally haven't seen any army personnel on the streets of London um, and it doesn't look like the police the number of police are particularly high either uh, compared to usual so I think that it's kind of gone back to normal and maybe because uh, they actually haven't increased the 
the budget for dealing with terrorist attacks at all in the past few years, um, to my knowledge, they've actually only pushed more funding toward people who are actually speaking out against us. That's where I wanted to go next. Um, uh, the London Mayor Sadiq Khan made some headlines after the this last a- attack uh, when asked about the number of refugees or the number of, of uh, terrorists or, or jihadis in the country, and he basically said something along the lines that he couldn't he couldn't keep track of them all of them all, and he took some heat mm-hmm. for that. But I also heard that he set up task force to monitor online speech critical of Islam. Have you heard anything about that? Yes, of course. Um, it's every five to ten years they put in stricter and stricter legal regulations for what you can and can't say, who you can and can't offend. Um, and it's at the point right now that basically anything you say rather than praise is basically illegal. So, so you're taking a chance, and the higher profile that you that you become, obviously, the the more uh, you are you are monitored, or the, the perhaps the the more uh, danger is presented to you, or or does does having a higher profile does that insulate you to some extent, Tara? I'm hoping that's the case. Um, although I, that I, that isn't the case in in some of what I've seen. Um, I think they they prefer to arrest, you know, I'll just be frank, I think they prefer to arrest um, working class white men for this kind of thing because that that is their, uh, that, that's what they, that's their narrative is that this is just lower class men um, who are, you know, are skinheads or whatever who are saying this kind of thing. So arresting someone like myself might... Uh, might disrupt their narrative a bit. Perhaps that's the reason I'm kind of getting away with this. Um, because if people saw a young woman being arrested simply for stating facts um, in interviews such as this, maybe there would be a little bit more outcry about it. So perhaps it's my privilege that's letting me get away with this. Believe me, our audience would not take anything that would happen to you uh, sitting back. I can guarantee that. Uh, we, we've got a very loyal audience and uh, a very formidable one at that. So, uh, who who love you dearly, and, and I'm not uh, I'm not just uh, saying that out of a false sense of flattery. It's it's uh, uh, you've really uh, so so many people we've heard from within our audience just love what you're doing and, and applaud what you're doing. Which brings me to this question: If you don't mind, uh, tell our audience, perhaps those who have not become or not familiar with with your show uh, when it's on how often it's on tell us a little bit about uh, the reality call show if you don't mind sure well it's just uh, it's only me doing it so I I uh, I put out shows as often as I can and, and I understand it's only about four times a week on average and um, no set schedule it's just when I get when I get the videos out then they go out so um that's how it is at the moment. I I actually just recently put out one with Liz, um, who I know you're planning to have on soon as well, and, it's a, and we spoke about corruption within the event, um, because that, you know, it all ties in. It's amazing how all this ties in. Um, there is a common, you know, running through a lot of these issues we discussed. 
you know, including Pizzagate, Petergate, um, and this, you know, mass migration that's happening at the world. I mean, this is unprecedented. You know, they, they like to put out these kind of slogans like, oh, they're all immigrants or things like this. No, this is unprecedented. This has never happened before in human history. Um, so we, we really have to point out that what's happening right now is, is a, is a global expense and I think it's going to end, uh, in a very, do you believe violently? Is is that what you said? Well, we're already seeing violence. Um, is are things going to become more peaceful than they invite into Europe? I don't think so. Good point. Okay. Yeah, it's. I, th- I think. How would you compare? How would you compare what's going on in the UK with what's going on here in the United States in terms of? Um, I'm going to say the sentiment of people. Are people getting, okay, I'm really fed up. The majority of people are really fed up with things going on. Uh, the, uh, the protection of the terrorists as they are here in the United States. Is it pretty similar or is, or is it somewhat, uh, different in the UK versus the United States? The feelings of people, do you think? The sense I get is that Americans are much more um, willing to speak out, um, whereas Europeans are so afraid to speak out that they won't even share their views with their personal family. Um, and what that means is that most people believe that their views are therefore um, in such a minority that, you know, it's it's something that never happened you know for example actually a third of British people want to stop immigration absolutely stop immigration um, and view immigration as a, a, a negative thing that's happening in the country right now and the level that's happening um, and a third view is positive and a third are neutral so actually we actually have a very balanced uh, perspective among people of the UK um, but what we all we hear from the mainstream media, all we hear from the politicians is we must accept more migrants, we must accept more migrants. It's just, it's always a benefit. There are no downsides. Um, and we're not ever kind of given even a choice to say, no, I, I don't agree with this. If you say you don't agree, you'll get called a racist, you'll get called a bigot, um, you'll, you'll get laughed off. Um, and it's very difficult for people who, who don't what's happening to their country right now to even say anything because also kind of illegal for them to even protest about it. Yeah. It's amazing. Go the, um, oh goodness, what was I going to ask? The, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, Tara, is something we've been seeing over here in response to the, to the last attack. And I think you were on last week right after the attack and we, we talked, we, we had 10 minutes. There were reports of imams refusing to uh, give funeral rites to the terror attackers. But then also, we had IQL Rizuli on last night, and he uh, he laid it out for us, explaining that, uh, what was it, that the imams don't have well, to give martyrs they, they, a funeral They rites. got like a free pass to to, right. uh, to the paradise because of their, their uh, martyr. Right, right. So the funeral wasn't that important. But we're seeing that um, 
that headline, that talking point being pushed around over here. Um, and also there was a, an article or a story that CNN got caught staging uh, Muslims who were protesting or allegedly protesting the terror attacks. But they got caught giving them the signs, you know, positioning them, telling them where to where to be. And then they denied that uh, they it's set it up. Craft by CNN. Yeah. Are you guys getting a lot of the same in your media? Uh, and I imagine you do pay attention to the to the media there. Are they uh, starting to push this this talking point that there are Muslims opposed to terror attacks? Oh yes, um, that's their standard line. They've been saying it. And then and stop saying it. Um, what happened after this Manchester bombing um, was actually really interesting. Um, a Channel 4, that's one of the biggest channels in the UK, um, reporter went around um, talking to Muslims near the scene of the attack after it happened, and you know, everyone was there putting flowers down. And, um, and they were all talking about, oh, yes. Terrible, terrible, but one of the women um, was actually wearing a t-shirt over her burqa um, that had the word love spelled out weapons, like assault rifle, knife, grenade, um, you know, all these kind of weapons, like, mm-hmm. inside the word love. I don't know if you guys saw that, but I get the sense that they're basically mocking us. Well, that's um, that's correct. And from what uh, she's right, I, I just go ahead. I, I'm I'm just astounded at, at the depth of ignorance of people who. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, the, the reason I ask that question is because, um, at least over here in, in the U.S., we we never see any Muslims, uh, singularly or otherwise, uh, speaking out against the acts of terrorism. And it started to become uh, a talking point in the media where, uh, as I uh, said earlier, CNN actually got caught uh, manipulating and creating a scene to make it appear as though there was this outrage uh, by Muslims against terrorism. And none of it was organic. You know, these people weren't protesting and the news happened to come upon them. Again, the, the news put them put them there and gave them the signs with, the, you know, the hashtags on it. Um I forget exactly what they were, but uh, it's just something that, that has come since these last two attacks in, in the UK, uh, the Manchester mm-hmm. and then the London attacks. And thankfully, in the US, we haven't seen any any terror attacks. But uh, you know, we know the media, for whatever reason, for the reasons well that you pointed out earlier, you know, destroying society, just destroying culture. Uh, we understand why they are not only siding with the terrorists, but basically calling everybody. Islamophobics if they speak out against well, if, Islamic if, terrorism. If, if I can jump in here just for a second, Tara, because this affects where you live right now, um, mm-hmm. the transformation with respect to your culture. And I'm not sure how many people really would really understand how, how, how huge this is. Uh, church to mosque conversions. Uh, that, that's significant. There are, yeah, was it 423 mosques in London right now. The number is expected to grow, obviously. 500 London churches have closed the door, their doors since 2001. And in all of UK, 10,000 churches have closed since 1960. Comments, thoughts, observations on that? Yeah. Um, 
This is obviously the transformation of the United Kingdom. It's being funded by Saudi Arabia. It, it's being um, enabled by our politicians. Our politicians have no loyalty to the people of the United Kingdom. Um, they don't care um, about our well-being whatsoever. Uh, they are trying to destroy us. And unfortunately, because most people are so brainwashed by the mainstream media, um, they somehow believe that what's being done to us is somehow in our best interest. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, Tara, we, we've got a few minutes yeah, left in the, in the segment. We've talked about the elections, the politics in London. We talked about the uh, latest attack and the, the terrorism and, and the refugees. Anything else going on over there uh, that's kind of been under the radar that deserves more attention? Well, I have to say those uh, topics that we've been discussing, they are really my, my main focus. Um, so there's not much else that comes to mind. I mean, you know, other than the, the demographic change, um, which I'll, I can talk about, which is, um, you know, when I, when I walk down the streets in London, um, there is not, you know, often I'll see school children um, walking in groups of 30 and sometimes there will only be one or two children who are actually European, you know, noticeably, visibly European. Um, so uh, our homeland is being turned into something that, you know, it's just like a cheap rental unit. Anyone can come in um, as long as you pay, as long as you, you know, as long as you have enough children who will pay taxes. Um, it doesn't matter if you share our beliefs, if you share our ancestral um, origins, if you sh- if you if you wish to perpetuate your own culture, or if you wish to perpetuate um, the one that's been here for thousands and thousands of years. Um, yeah, they just don't care about that. It's it's so mechanical, you know. It's like just viewing humans as units that you can kind of move around the world. We're not like that. We have um, deep roots, and when you start doing this with people, what is globalism? Um, I I cannot see anything good coming of this. I think we're um, all going to just end up being like serfs, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's about right. Um, how is Donald Trump depicted, or how is to, to the average person walking the streets in London? Or anywhere in the UK, how is Donald Trump uh, looked upon? Oh, he's been demonized so much. Um, so it's yeah, people basically think that he's uh, he's terrifying. You know, they they think he's literally Hitler. So um, yeah, most people it, it's it's beyond even comprehension that someone um, would support him for them. So wow. which is why we're all so confused about how he won. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. And, and th- th- there's some play between between your politics and our politics, and I can see where um, I can see where that kind of comes in w- with the elections and that you referenced earlier. I, I don't know. Th- there's some influence there. And you know, um, picking up right where you left off about the, how Trump's depicted in the UK, I saw an article about how the uh, mayor of London, City Khan, is calling for Trump to be basically banned from from coming to the UK like Michael Savage still is but yes right and this was just in the wake of the of the terror attack um, and a lot of people made the point that the mayor is more offended by Donald Trump's tweets to him 
more so than the actual terrorists and terror attacks that are taking place. Has, has that been getting a lot of press over there? Uh, what, what the, the Twitter battle between Khan and, and Trump? Well, the press are all on Sadiq Khan's side. You know, they're not at all um, on Donald Trump's side. So they'll just publish Sadiq Khan's statements um, and, you know, they don't really care to mention, you know, Donald Trump is actually the one trying to prevent terror attacks. Mm-hmm. Like, the only politician that I know of, but like, other than, like, the Polish ones, <laughs> you know, who's actually taking actual action that will result in fewer terrorist attacks. Um, because what our politicians are doing is, is they're literally just saying, like, oh, we'll just continue. This, you know, we just need to continue living the way we've been living. And all that's going to mean is more and more terrorist attacks. Absolutely. Tara McCarthy, realitycallshow.com. Tara McCarthy on YouTube. If you uh, go to realitycallshow.com, you can find it there. Make sure you subscribe. Tara, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we know it's late there or early, and we thank you for your time. Thank you. You have a great evening. A wonderful, courageous, gutsy young lady. Absolutely. Well, we're looking forward to her coming over to our land and being part of our uh, culture. We are fighting back, by the way, folks. We are fighting back. We'll be right back after this. Don't go anywhere. Green Innovative. Go to agmanreport.com. Click on the link to Green Innovative. What Green Innovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right, You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a bang, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof. And it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. Go to greeninnovative.com. That's greeninnovative.com. Folks, in these uncertain times, it just makes sense to have a sustainable backup method for accomplishing one of life's most important tasks, and that's preparing food. This is the way to go. There is nothing better than a Minuteman rocket stove from MinutemanStove.com. We all need a way to cook and a method to process water. I mean, think about it. Think about the many things that could happen to you. Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution. It's small, lightweight, wood-burning, and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. It's smoke fully self-contained for clean storage and transport. Because it's so efficient, it cuts down on your wood gathering and processing chores to a tenth what would be required if cooking the old-fashioned way over an open fire. So don't rely on gas for fuel stoves. Prepare your family. Prepare for yourself. Order a Minuteman rocket stove today. It's going to make bad times much better. Folks, MinutemanStove.com. MinutemanStove.com. Need I say more? You should have a Minuteman, the survival stove in an MOK. For investors, Timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash... 
Trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com. He's uh, he's one smart dude. How's that? No more fake news. John Rappaport. Before we get to John, I want to just chime in about ready-made resources. Readymaderesources.com. Have you visited their site yet? If not, do so. Quality, top quality, top of the line at night vision equipment. I tested some night vision equipment very recently, and I had no... I mean, I, I had an idea, but I didn't have the right idea and you can get I'm going to tell you right now you can get you can really be led down a wrong path if you're not careful with night vision equipment the man to contact is well the company is ready made resources go there for night vision equipment and of course for your quality communication equipment you're you're going to need this when everything kind of turns to to well you know when everything goes south and of course, they also have long-term storable food and other items that you will need. It's a one-stop shop. ReadyMadeResources.com. Joe, I'm going to kick it over to you. John Rappaport is our guest. No more fake news.com. John, um, we brought you on. You were, uh, going over some things you wanted to, to discuss and you mentioned the, some updates in, in, uh, the opioid epidemic here in the U.S. I, re- I saw last week that overdoses are now the number one cause of death in this country. I think it was 65,000 last year, which overtook gun violence in the 80s and, and car accidents in the 90s to be the number one overall cause of, of death right now in the U.S. You were well, actually, uh, it would be cancer and heart disease are still up there. But the third leading cause of death would be overall medical destruction, including the opioids. The thing that caught my attention this week, which is mind-boggling, talk about the creation of actual zombies. The state of Ohio is suing five pharmaceutical companies for uh, fraud, basically, deceptive advertising in promoting the idea over a long period of time to doctors that these drugs like OxyContin and fentanyl and others are really safe, they're not really that bad, and they really do a wonderful job at alleviating pain. Uh, and as a result, catch these boggling figures. 
depending upon which year you pick of recent years in Ohio, just the state of Ohio, 631 million opioid pills have been prescribed in one year in Ohio, up to 793 million opioid pills in one year in Ohio. So that would be enough to give every man, woman, and child in Ohio 68 opioid pills per year. This is a flood. Doctors are doing it. Pharmaceutical companies are driving it. Uh, the drugs are extremely addictive, highly addictive. They produce an initial euphoria, and then, of course, the addict needs more and more and more, and eventually the euphoria just goes away, and then you've got these horrendous effects, uh, like, you know, the collapse of the mind, for example, and extreme debilitation and death the complete slowdown of the entire body system from these horrendous drugs. And Tiger Woods figures into this because his recent arrest on a DUI, if you really look into it, first of all, he's been on Vicodin for a long time, on and off. He's been in rehab in the past for this drug, which is one of the opioids, very powerful, very debilitating, very addictive. And I have to issue a warning here that unless the person withdraws from the drug very gradually under the supervision of a professional who really knows what he's doing, underline, in terms of withdrawal, the withdrawal symptoms can be even worse than when the person is taking these opioids. So Tiger Woods has been hooked on Vicodin for a long time, on and off. He also reported that he was taking Xanax. Now, some that's an anti-anxiety drug. And these two drugs are blamed in combination for causing him to be so hazy and incoherent. But in fact, that's a cover-up. Each of those drugs by itself can produce a horrendous state of mind. For example, with Xanax, you can get delirium, paranoia, psychosis, violence. And the same is true when people try to withdraw from Xanax. So here you've got a guy who has put himself under the care of doctors for a long time for surgeries and so forth and pain. And this is what they have put him in a prison. Regardless of what you think of him, he's been in a addictive drug prison for a long time. That's the reality of his uh, situation in the last several years. And this is just a typical case, really. Uh, so we've got this epidemic that's just but, okay. going completely wild. John, I mean, the numbers... Uh, certainly the numbers are indefensible, 631 to 793 million uh, doses of opiates in Ohio alone. In Ohio that, alone. Now, that's staggering, and that's what, you, what, you, what your research has uncovered. My question is this, okay? It, it, well, 
All right, here's where, here's where I come down on this. My wife just had, she had to have emergency surgery. And, uh, uh, as a consequence, she has 60 staples. It was, it was, it was a big, big deal. Mm-hmm. A lot of pain. Mm-hmm. And I watched her, I watched the, the doctors almost reluctant to prescribe any pain medication whatsoever, even to the extent of saying, how about and some extra strength Tylenol? Now, we're talking, I'm saying maybe five days after the surgery, okay, where the staples were. I'm looking at her, the, the incision, it's just, it's horrendous. Okay, now, I understand the recreational I understand and detest the recreational aspect of, of opiate use. But where, where I have a problem is when I hear or when I witness this, my own wife in, in pain and the doctors either afraid or reluctant to prescribe pain medication when it's necessary, medically necessary, because of, because Tiger Woods wants to go, go get his freak on or, or Michael Jackson or somebody. Okay, I have a problem with that. Okay. Okay, well let me let me give you the other side. All right. Because I agree, you're absolutely right. Although in in Tiger Woods' case, I don't think we're talking about getting his freak on. We're talking about spinal surgery and so forth, uh, and knee surgeries. So uh, I think it's safe to assume in his case that we're talking about some serious uh, pain. In a real medical situation. A rational doctor knows or should know two things. Yes, you put the person on the kind of painkiller that's going to take away the pain. And then when it's no longer necessary, then you know enough to gradually withdraw that person in a professional fashion from the opioid, if it's if that's what the prescription drug is, so that they no longer need it and no longer want it, because it does in many people produce this addiction, physical addiction. So it can be done. There's no question about it. The drugs can be prescribed that will take out the pain for as long as the pain needs to be taken out, and then. The trouble with many doctors is is that they don't understand about withdrawal. They don't consider it a big problem. They don't get what's really going on. Frankly, they're quite stupid, and they therefore become a danger to the patient because you can prescribe the drugs when absolutely necessary, and then if you, you can withdraw the person safely. In many cases, what happens is the person just stays on the drugs and then becomes addicted and then starts looking around to see where they can get some. So I agree with you totally okay. when necessary. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm not, believe me, I, I am not an advocate of, uh, of people taking drugs to get high. That's, look, I don't, I, I don't drink. I don't, I, I don't agree with, I don't agree with that lifestyle. And, and you're right, um, perhaps Tiger Woods, uh, I shouldn't have said that about him, given the fact that he does have some medical history that would indicate his need for some pain relief. And I believe that other people do. But, again, I look at and you hear stories or read things that 
children terminal cancer, not prescribed uh, uh, dr- uh, uh, pain medication because of the fear of the doctor's fear that uh, uh, yeah, you know, right. they're going to they're going to become addicted. So I get all that. So my question is: you found these, you found sixty six hundred thirty one million to seven hundred ninety three million doses out there in Ohio alone. So who's getting these? Are, mm-hmm. are, you, are you telling me that? Yeah. Who, who's writing these prescriptions? Who's yeah, these? I mean, yeah. So what we have here are what's called pill mills. And in many cases, doctors are running the pill mills. This is a conscious drug running operation. In other words, it's obvious there's not that many people in Ohio that are in severe enough physical pain to need that many doses prescribed correctly. That's for sure. So we're looking, and arrests have been made in some cases, of doctors who go totally rogue, trained medical doctors who have taken an oath to do no harm and are heading up these pill mills, writing prescriptions, and then they have distributors that are out there on the street with the pills, selling them to addicts and getting people addicted. This is not just in Ohio. This is all over the country. And people die. There's a doctor in uh, Los Angeles who's recently been sentenced to between 30 and 50 years in prison because six patients died from the pill mill operation that she was fronting. Is, is there is there that much profit to be made uh, considering that much exposure and liability? Obviously there is, huh? Yeah. I mean, there is, uh, apparently, for these doctors, depending upon how big the operation can be. You know, millions of dollars i don't know how many millions but there you do have to ask that question too i mean yes is the doctor successful in the first place in terms of their financial uh, you know situation or are these mostly doctors that can't get a good gig they're existing on the fringe and they decide to go completely rogue but it's happening it's happening all over the country. Man, incredible numbers, incredible information. Um, so how do you feel, John, and, and I don't know if this is kind of going away from your main point or if this is part of it. You've got um, you've got this epidemic. You've got the heroin epidemic. But then you've got states legalizing marijuana. Is there a tie-in here somewhere? Sure, I would say so. First of all, let's distinguish between uh, medical marijuana, which has certain definite uses in some patients. And it's not only, you know, the kind that you roll up and smoke. I mean, there's all kinds of preparations and with different ingredients and so forth. But the kind of marijuana that's now being unleashed on the public and legalized is nothing like the marijuana that your parents or grandparents may have smoked. This is a whole different deal. We're talking about titanically powerful weed here that's been bred to be many times more powerful than it would occur in nature. 
and the method of using it has gone from smoking it to uh, sort of the vapor operation where you can inhale huge quantities of it. This is a very dangerous slippery slope. And I'm not talking about, I mean, there are legal ramifications, but I'm just talking about health and destruction of health of young people who have no clue as to what's up the road for them. And then, of course, you know, we have the whole gateway situation. Does one drug become a gateway for other drugs? The answer is, in in many cases, it does. For example, you get some people who are on opioids who end up getting heroin on the street because they are very similar. In fact, heroin is an opioid. So uh, sometimes when they quote the death figures from opioids, they're actually including heroin deaths. I, I believe that. In fact, I was talking with a police lieutenant here in our town who said exactly that. Somebody who dies with a needle sticking out of their arm, the coroner, our county coroner, lists that as a, as a death resulting from opiates or opiate, opiate-related death. Overdose. That's right. So, okay. That's right. All right. Yeah, they're in the same family. Yes, this is all part of the same framework huh. of what we're talking about here. But, and I think there's something very sinister behind all this, but let me just give you a, a couple of other figures here from, um, and I've got an article up uh, at No More Fake News about this, so the citation and all of that is there. Per year in the U.S. and Europe combined, 330,000 people die from correctly prescribed medicines. We're not just talking about opioids now, all, all medicines. 330,000 people die every year. So if you, uh, you know, extrapolate that out to a decade, you're talking about 3.3 million deaths in the U.S. and Europe per decade from government-approved medicines. In addition, you've got 6.6 million hospitalizations in the U.S. plus Europe every year resulting from the severe adverse effects of those drugs, medical drugs. 6.6 million per year and then on top of that you've got 80 million per year in the US and Europe what could be called minor adverse reactions that nevertheless tend to hobble productivity at work so we're talking about something very very sinister here well your investigation you're you're the you're really the man on the street conducting the investigations and reporting on this. What is the sinister aspect of this? Because uh, I'm a big picture kind of guy. I like to look at the big picture. Me too. Okay. Well, yeah, I know. And you, you're right. It's impeccable. So, so for years, for years, I kept on documenting. Okay the terrible effects of this drug and that drug and this drug and that, all medical drugs, you know. And I kept on to that story with with blinders on. I just wanted to know the facts. And I kept digging them up and digging them up and digging them up. And finally, one day, I said, hey, wait a minute, look. I've got the studies that show this. 
they're published in medical journals. In the United States, for example, the FDA approves all these drugs as safe that are killing all these people. The studies that are published in the medical journals that claim that the, all these different drugs are safe that are killing people are obviously fraudulent uh, research. Then you've got the pharmaceutical companies who are making the drugs that are surely aware of these statistical numbers that I've dug up because they're not secret. They're published in open literature if you know where to find them. And all of these people are letting this happen and aiding and abetting it on a continuous basis, a continuous basis. So I began going down the rabbit hole, and what I came up with was you can certainly take this back all the way to the birth of pharmaceutical medicine in the early 20th century when the famous Flexner Report was delivered at the behest of the Carnegie Foundation and the Rockefeller people who were leaders in the new pharmaceutical medicine that attempted to destroy all of its competition including herbalism and homeopathy etc 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 these people basically created a killer operation and then Coming up the line, one of the biggest pharmaceutical and chemical cartels in the world at the outbreak of World War II was IG Farben, famous Nazi cartel that put Hitler over the top in Germany in 1933. They had, they were the octopus. They had deals with all manner of chemical and pharmaceutical companies around the world and they were involved in uh, some really gross experimentation on humans, really horrific experimentation on humans. There was an, uh, a writer and author named Josiah Dubois who wrote a book called The Devil's Chemists about I.G. Farben, who said he was sent down to Guatemala during the early part of World War II on a fact-finding mission and he came back and said as far as he could tell Guatemala was a wholly owned subsidiary of IG Farben that's how influential this cartel was and they had deals with all manner of other pharmaceutical companies and coming out of World War II pharmaceutical companies rose to tremendous positions of influence were key players informing up what became the European Union and other political structures, shall we say, that were above the usual national governments. Tremendous influence through advertising on the kind of news you get and the kind of news you don't get in the mainstream. This has turned into an extremely sinister force in modern life behind the scenes that to me, there is no way of avoiding the fact that they are trying to create debilitated populations all over the world, wreaking havoc, a form of chemical warfare against populations all over the earth to make populations easier to control because people are so weak, so debilitated and distracted from these drugs 
<clears throat> they don't know why. They don't understand what's going on. That people can't think straight. They can't reason. They can't take action. <clears throat> which makes it, of course, much easier for the takeover of populations. And that, to me, took me years to finally come to grips with this reality that I had been avoiding all along, saying, no, it's just people that are too stupid, they don't know what they're doing, bop, 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 bop. and yes, there are those people involved, but at the highest levels, we're talking about conscious intention. For the subjugation of the population, ultimately, is what you're saying. That's right. The docile, compliant population. So much for, uh, well, I guess people maybe want to rethink the uh, disco biscuits from the 1970s. How many people remember those? Okay. Uh, Quaaludes. Quaaludes, big time, big back in the 60s, 70s, and even into the 80s, uh, just as an example, became a class one uh, substance uh, by the government in 1984. But um, I just, so, okay. But that's the ultimate objective is... Is to create this docile population. So, so and you look in what one in six Americans uh, are prescribed to an antidepressant. Uh, you mentioned Xanax earlier. Yeah. They're in the benzodiazepine family. Yep, uh, mm-hmm. those are becoming much more common, and it seems like a you know for many people it's a it's an easy way out or an easy way to to fix the issues that are going on in your life. Exactly. But in the long yeah. run, it. You know, the, these uh, medications are very damaging, and they affect each and every person differently. And uh, my, my question, and we, we can address this on the other side, the CIA is in the drug business, correct? I mean... Sure, has okay. been for a long time. Are we are, are we doing the majority of the exporting, or are we doing the majority of the importing, or is it kind of equivalent on both? We're up against the... Uh, bottom of the hour break here in about uh, what about 60, 60 seconds I'm, I'm just curious what would be your quick answer to that I'd say it's about equal because you've got giant companies when you're talking about pharmaceuticals <clears throat> in uh, a number of different countries so the pills and the drugs just keep flowing everywhere in all directions into the US, out of the US, into Europe out of Europe all over the world all over the world. It's just like a tsunami. Yes, it is. No more fake news.com. John Rappaport is our guest. He's going to be with us for the next segment, taking us to the end of this next hour. And we, I got a, a lot to get into, a lot of questions, uh, political and uh, economic questions. Um, we'll be right back after these short messages. Don't go anywhere. Again, folks, check HagmanReport.com. Um, Liz Crokin's articles up there for those who haven't read it, and uh, there are so, spread these other on pieces social going. networking too. Yeah, uh, Stephen Menking and others are are posting content up there, and the latest from from Peter Choka, who will be with us tomorrow, is on there as well. We'll be right back with John Rappaport after these messages. Don't go anywhere. Visit Hagman.
SegmentReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Masterpreps.com, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you possibly want from cooking utensils, cooking frying pans. I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely. Eric's a... It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family, masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Caring Close in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to aging major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We are offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues, and so can you. Check out our American Heritage Armies kit at www.changewoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. That means you can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. pharmaceutical companies uh, and we, we were talking off air about the, the lawsuit that's being brought in Ohio did you want to continue to talk on this on this subject John well I can just kind of wrap it up um, okay. the reason that the state of Ohio is suing all these pharmaceutical companies five of them is because you got zombies walking around in Ohio I mean, I got reports about this after I posted the article. Somebody saying, yeah, I see these people all the time. They're zombies. They're just walking around dead on their feet from these 
opioid medical drugs. So Ohio is overwhelmed. They don't know what to do. The government, you know, is supposed to now spend money on rehabbing these people or somehow saving them. So they're suing the drug companies for intentionally developing treatment guidelines for doctors that vastly underplay and minimize the real heavy dangers of these drugs and also for fake science articles and magazines that also downplay the the dark side of the drugs. So state of Ohio government is accusing these pharmaceutical companies of manipulating the doctors into believing that these drugs are okay. Yeah, and they're probably going to seek punitive damages on it. By the way, folks, no more fake news.com. John Rapport has really done a great job. The uh, Matrix revealed uh, his works. By the way, the Matrix revealed the that product in and of itself is worth every penny. It's it's a fantastic product. It's it's a uh, two hundred and fifty megabytes of information over eleven hundred pages of text, ten and a half hours of audio. And then, of course, there's other additional information there. But his articles alone at his website, nomorefakenews.com, is just well worth the read. And he's an extremely adept uh, investigative uh, journalist researcher. In fact, Jackie, my daughter, we were working in the office, and she had uh, she saw John. She saw your name, and she saw your picture on on the uh, on your on your uh, website, and. Uh, don't take offense to this. In fact, this was, was, was meant as a compliment. She said, he looks like the godfather of the Internet news, of Internet news, the godfather of Internet news. So, so um, it, it was meant as a compliment, uh, but nonetheless. I tried to get out, and they kept dragging me back in. <laughs> they dragged me back in. Yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, my goodness. Well, yeah. So, well, you, you're really on top of the uh, the the drug and drugging of the population, but you said it best, and I think that people have to realize that it's it's the complete subjugation of our population, which is the goal of the uh, the matrix, and uh, yeah, I, I, okay, true, I get it, I get it. Let me spring something else on you. This is going to sound ridiculous, but this just occurred to me before I went on the air. Could the next president of the United States be James Comey? Huh. Oh, huh? I Could he be? Oh, yeah. Oh, wait I, I a second. Wait a second. Why? Why would you even think that? Let's suppose, for example, a nobody peanut farmer who was the governor of Georgia came out of nowhere to heal the nation. Right after Nixon resigned, and he was promoted, and you know he became like a demigod in the press before he was suddenly elected in 1976. Suppose, of course, we know that I mean multiple forces are trying to destroy Trump one way or another, right? And even let's suppose he serves out the whole term four years. And let's suppose, I know this sounds crazy, that in the meantime, a legend is gradually built up about James Comey. 
the last honest man in America. A total fake legend, right? He's got a $10 million offer, looks like, sitting on the table to write a book, which can be, you know, spun a million different ways, and a movie coming after that. He was willing to go after both Hillary and Trump, so that proves that he's, you know, fair, that the honest man, exactly what the nation needs after we have ridded the nation of that scourge of Trump, etc., etc., as the left is rabidly trying to do. I could see somebody <clears throat> thinking to themselves, man, we could build this guy up and make him into the next president or a legitimate candidate if we play our cards right. Call me crazy, but it's possible. It is possible, but I will say this. Um, I think <laughs> I think the establishment uh, left and some of the, the anti-Trump right are angry with Comey because I, I think they expected more from him at the at these hearings, and because he he did not uh, throw Trump completely under the bus, even lie about him, I think that they are angry with him. But what John Hence said, though, the, Joe, that, that's what John that, that's what John's saying. I mean, he's he didn't fully throw Trump under the bus. This is what you're saying. So what I'm saying I, I believe that the the leadership in the Democratic Party is very angry with Comey, and they wouldn't today. Today, they are. right? Yeah, he would have to build bridges to the Clintons, that's for sure. But he has represented their interests in the past. So, yeah, I understand you. You're absolutely right. I'm just looking ahead here, thinking about you know how they could sanitize this guy, because. One of the things to me that the left is preparing to do is, well, if we can't get rid of Trump between now and the next election, and he serves out the term, hopefully we have convinced enough people so that whoever the Democrats run <clears throat> is then going to win under the banner of we must restore the nation to its former you know, values, you know, whatever, you know, that that happened Sounds before good. this man came along. Yeah. And and, uh, and see what John, what uh, what made me, or when Joe was mentioning that uh, the, about James Comey, he did not live through the Carter years, the Nixon Carter years, that 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 wound suffered by the country, and how Carter. Every man's president. Right. The guy with the sweater and the, the, and, and the, um, um, cold White House in the winter because, you know, we have to save energy and such. Right. And, and so, so you didn't live through that. No. But just the way I, I, we've seen all the, uh, Comey get in the middle of the 2016 election, all the Democrats being so angry at him about reopening the, the Clinton investigation. Then the reports of him trying to, to blend into the curtain so Trump doesn't see him and him being afraid to be alone with Trump. I, I just don't see him ever 
outliving that. At least oh, maybe not. He becomes an elected official. Uh, I'll tell you, John. You're thinking outside the box, though. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. That's interesting. I just I just got shivers now. All right. Now, where to next, John? Well, uh, I think you had some, you guys had some political and economic questions. I mean, there's Comey's testimony. Yes. Which I thought was quite, uh, amazing because what did he really say? Loretta Lynch told me not to call my investigation into the Clintons an investigation, but to call it a matter. He said that he, you know, he leaked his own memo of the meeting with Trump to the press, which, when you think about it, is kind of like saying there was no memo. <laughs> what memo? I decided to leak something to the press. You have to trust me that it's an accurate report of my private conversation with the president. So I'm a leaker. These conversations are supposed to be confidential, but I just thought that I had to do this for the good of the nation. I had to do it. So that was the second thing. And the third thing was <clears throat> we discovered that the president has a right to stop an investigation. Yeah. Constitutional right because the Justice Department and the FBI are under him and the executive branch. So even if he had said to Comey, you're not going to investigate Michael Flynn any further. This is going to stop. That's a constitutional act. There's no way that a president could be uh, prosecuted for obstruction of justice or anything even remotely concerned with that. And other presidents have done this in the past, said to the FBI or through the attorney general, there's not going to be any investigation of X, Y, Z. You're going to stop it right now. And people accepted that as, you know, this is what presidents can do. So that whole business is a gigantic hoax as well. I mean, it's just, okay. like I wrote, if this were a movie, you know, three people would have come to see it in the theater and it would have closed after one night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so you, um, you gather that this is what they're doing, figuring Trump's not going to be able to be impeached or taken out of office for anything that they've claimed that he has done now. Uh, so what you said earlier about you think they're continuing this to be able to, to continue to change the minds of people out there to pollute uh, Trump's name and his reputation and, and yeah. create uh, false stories where there is none? To they would it. like to be able to use the, anything they could get, you know, as impeachment to the degree, you know, somebody, a congressman has just written up some sort mm -hmm. of articles of, you know, impeachment. They, they're going to try, but... Behind this all is just um, somebody who's quite smart, who understands public relations and propaganda. You know, we're going to attack this guy from 57 different vectors and directions so that, uh, and the word pollute is very accurate that you use, and we're going to try to pollute as much of the national consciousness as we possibly can so that if we can't figure out a way to get him out of office before his term is over, we'll have enough people in the country 
who will vote against him the next time. That would be okay if we've got to do that. I mean, Rachel Maddow is now leading the cable news, uh, whatever you want to call it. I wouldn't call it news, but, you know, race, as Peter Chalka described on your, on your program. Which is why that the American Thinker articles, the, the four that he has written, Peter has written, and folks, I would urge everyone to read those, uh, uh, are so important because the takedown of Fox News figures exactly into that Rachel Maddow uh, bell curve popularity factor. Right. It, it, it's a management of sorts. But, but you're right, too. You're, you're correct in saying um, what has taken place, at least what I'm saying, is the fact that uh, everything that, that's being, every story, every narrative, every account that is being created right now against President Donald Trump is to make him ineffectual, even in office. To They're killing not just the, they're killing the president and they're, they're killing the presidency. In my view. I agree. I agree. Yeah, absolutely right. To make everything that he tries to do, everything, ineffective, impossible, cut him off at the pass. Um, right. The, the transparency of operatives inside the federal government structure who are directly working against him out in the open is extraordinary. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like it. People who either were appointed by him or by whoever is appointing people for him or people that are bureaucratic holdovers from Obama and Clinton and whoever, Bush, you know, they're just doing everything they can to derail whatever actions Trump is taking completely. Uh, uh, Joe and I were talking about this earlier. How how much of a factor do you think Obama is? How much of a role is Obama? Do you believe playing in, into what's going on right now? And that same question would apply to Hillary and Bill. Central movers and shakers. Central movers and shakers. But still, I see them as agents. In other words. You want to coalesce people around a cause, you got to have a leader or a few leaders. And if the cause is basically to take out Trump any way that we possibly can, and you can get the Clintons over here and Obama over there, you know, you got a good start there. You got a good start. You notice that, what was it, maybe three months ago, four months ago, I don't know. There was a story in the press. Okay, Obama's staying in Washington, and he's got 35,000 troops, quotes, you know, volunteers at his beck and call to organize. You know, he's back to being now the community organizer for the nation to go up against Trump and to try to derail everything possible. A couple of stories appeared on that, and now nothing. Total silence. Like, why did that story get out? Let's cut that one down, and let's not have any more follow-ups on that, boys, because we want to keep this, uh, you know, under the table. I absolutely believe that the Clintons and Obama, in concert and separately, are major players. Yeah. 
and I believe that they're continuing to not only do things, um, you know, to, to organize the protesters to get the, I think they're, they're influencing a lot of, uh, decisions that lawmakers and even, uh, what media is reporting, you know, feeding uh, with their, with their old, uh, I know Hillary Clinton, we just got some emails about why Hillary Clinton still has her top secret security clearance from being the secretary of state. <laughs> right. So these people have access and they have the, the connections and, uh, the backing and the loyalty from a lot of these people, especially in the media. So when we see these leaks and we see these, uh, some of these narratives that come out in the media, you know, it, it, it makes you wonder and it, it, you can point it right back to people like Obama and what was it? Letter, didn't Loretta Lynch move into Obama's, uh, DC Com- yeah, compound compound. So they're, they're definitely up to no good. You know, there's a phrase that to me applies to this and I've seen, uh, one or two people use it. Presidency in exile. This is when a president normally in some kind of a country where the political situation is very fluid, to say the least, you know, and who knows whose side the army is on today and tomorrow and so forth. President is told, leave or die. And so he decides to fly out of the country and he sets up his, quote, presidency in exile in some safe haven somewhere and tries to do whatever he can to kind of worm his way back in. Well, here it doesn't work exactly that way, but the theme is the same. Only the presidency in exile is housed in Washington, D.C., where Obama's living. And the Clintons are part of that general operation. Yeah. You know, John, I, I can't help sh- shake the feeling, and I, I don't know where this is coming from. I'll, I'll, I'll classify this in the same category as James Comey, potential president. Okay. <laughs> so, so here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking Obama, before he departed the White House, there were a lot of, re- um, there's a lot of reconstruction in the White House potential rewiring, a lot of the things that were done in the White House. Obama, of course, living in Embassy Row right now, setting up that presidency in exile, which I uh, applaud that that phrase. Um, I, I don't know where I was going with that, except to say I just see something really amiss with everything that he did. It was almost like he was preparing for this very situation. Or am I giving him too much credit? No, I agree with you. I agree with you absolutely. Okay, boys, come on in. You know, uh, I know you're here to wire this place six ways from Sunday so that we can spy on everybody that's coming in here. That's not hard to do. You have multiple layers of, you know, bugging and tapping and whatever you want, you know, Surveillance, basically. I'm going to be down the street. Okay. Now, also, uh, which we know, Susan Rice scandal and Obama and so forth, in the waning days of the presidency, he decided that whatever NSA documents could be used to uh, take down the next president and his team that the NSA had, the National Security Agency, which had to be kept private and secret and no names released, suddenly could be accessed 
by other agencies of the government, like the FBI, the CIA, and who knows what other agencies, right? He decided that. We know that. He gave that directive, which means that pretty much anybody and his brother could now eventually get access to secret NSA spying on Trump, Trump's family, Trump's team, Trump's appointees, etc., etc., etc. That the anything the NSA could pick up, other people embedded in other federal agencies would now have open access to, and they could do whatever they wanted with that. They could leak it to the press. They could use it as some kind of, oh, look, what we got on this guy now. We could use this. I mean, this is like, to me, a full-bore operation we're talking about here. To, 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 quote, take back the presidency for the globalists, the collectivists, of whom Obama and the Clintons are agents. I have no doubt about that. This is organized stuff we're talking about here. I can just tell from looking at stories in the press for the last year. I mean, this is, you know, it's a propaganda op. This is how you do it. Okay, we got 16 media outlets here that are all on the same page, boys. So whatever we feed them, they're going to go with. We have to direct the campaign here, secretly and privately. And all of our thinking has to be about how do we not only, as you said, Doug, not only destroy the president, Trump, but the presidency itself. We're going full out here. Concoct the messages, get the ball rolling. We've got, you know, the most elite access to the elite press that you could possibly have. And we're going to organize this thing to the teeth and we're going to have stories running every single day. That's what's going on. Yeah, and they're doing a, a good job of this. John, we got uh, about two and a half minutes left. Do you believe that the media is going to continue to push the, the Russia collusion narrative? Or with the Comey testimony, do you think that uh, is going to die down and they'll find something else to to cr- make up to, to damage Trump? Okay, this is based on 35 years of experience as a reporter. They're never going to stop. They can't. There comes a point in the in the fraud and the hoax and the lie where you can't turn back if you're the people who are promoting it. Because to turn back means you admit, A, that you were completely wrong, and B, that you may well have concocted this whole thing for, you know, obvious reasons that had nothing to do with the truth so to me this will linger on for as long as Trump is in the White House one way or another it may go away at times it may come back but they're never going to let it go they are never ever going to say oh well it turns out it really wasn't so bad after all and I guess you know somebody overestimated this yeah, they could have done that maybe, you know, six, eight months ago, but they can't do it now. They've gone too far with it. It's too crazy. And, and folks, this is three and a half decades of experience talking, 
from John Rappaport, No More Fake News. And that you've got to respect that, uh, that tenure and that, uh, the, the observations. What do you think about the ruddy rumblings of, uh, President Trump? Uh, kind of thinking about perhaps causing the uh, special investigator or special counsel to be, to be terminated. Thoughts on that? This is another one of these situations where you say, why did he appoint this guy in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Exactly. I mean, this is one of the mysteries that, that I don't yet think has been solved. Somewhere along the line, somebody is perverting these appointments. And it isn't just, you know, Mueller. Obviously, to anybody with any sense, knowing this guy's connections and his past and so forth, you know, he's the last guy. And we see this now with the appointments that he's making of attorneys. An attorney that represented the Clintons is now part of the special counsel investigation, you know. If I were Trump, I would just close the guy out tonight. I agree. We we agree. say bye, and then everybody goes, oh, you know, he's doing this because he doesn't want to be exposed and whatever. And then Trump should come in behind that and say, no, I'm doing this because the guy's crooked and bent. It was a mistake. A hundred percent agree. John Rappaport, no more fake news. You know, you took us, we, we weren't even paying attention. We were at the end of the segment. I just want to say thank you so much for coming in and, and checking in with us. And your discussion is always fabulous. It's great talking with you guys. I always appreciate it very much, very much. We love having you, brother. Thanks for, thanks for coming in. Thank you. No more fake news.com is the site. John Rappaport was our guest. Uh, we'll be right back after this network break. Don't go anywhere. Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the creator to his creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high net worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. 
For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stain by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stain by Blood at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stain by Blood. late now stan dale is with us and he's with us each and every tuesday in hour number three uh quick headline not sure how many people saw this julian assange made a comment today talking about artificial intelligence and he uh, went on to say that humanity is threatened by this ai and of course my computer's freezing up here is is threatened by artificial intelligence uh, and it i don't have the exact quote but with social media, how it is endangering uh, humanity. We talk about on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter, all these bots. We've seen what Hillary Clinton or Obama had 13 or 15 million fake followers. Uh, we see the the bots on, on YouTube and, and other... I think 19.5. <clears throat> no, nothing suspicious about that number. And they're, 19.5 million. And they're weaponizing. Here we go. Humanity threatened by AI-controlled social media. Folks, the, it's on it's on Drudge Report. AI-controlled propaganda uh, is what he says. And um, a lot of people, the reason, that, one of the, another reason I brought this up is because a lot of people have been questioning if Julian Assange is actually alive. You know, a lot, not a lot of people have seen him. There was rumors that he was, you know, months and months and months ago that he fell off the radar, that somebody was hacked into his account and was posting under him. But he's made uh, some statements about AI. And I'll post this article to HagmanReport.com. Uh, but now we have Standeo. Standeo.com is the website. When you're on his website, go to the show images page. It's on the right-hand side of the microphone right there on uh, Standeo.com. And you can follow along each and every week with what Stan talks about as he puts together the research and images right there for all of us uh, under the show images tab. Stan, welcome back. Good to be back. We've made it through another week. Uh, I, I hear that... Uh the heat wave we had uh, yesterday and the day before is now over on your side of the country. Yes, it is. Oh, yeah. It's a little warm, a little toasty, but here in our studios, it's a cool 72 degrees. But out, but, but outdoors, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's humid and, um, the, the, the weather has been odd this year. Um, I, I have to say, Al Gore must have been right. 
<laughs> Global warming. Uh, no, yeah, I'm, I'm he kidding. was right. Except he picked the wrong cause. The majority cause is nothing we can fix. It's off yeah, the exactly. planet. It's the sun itself. But these yeah. things are cyclic, and they've happened before. And when we weren't even, you know, the numbers of people and animals we are on the planet, we weren't even producing the amount of greenhouse gases we were. We are. Anyway. Well, well, Stan, before we get uh, too far into the program, I've I've been inundated with emails uh, wanting to know how you are feeling because people, our audiences, are they're very concerned about your health, and, and as well as Holly as well. So, if you don't mind, I, without getting too personal or as personal as you wish, how you feeling, brother? Oh well, tell the truth, I I hurt most days now, and you know around the middle portion of my back and. Uh, with this mystery thing under my rib cage, and you know, it, it's it's difficult just getting out of bed. So I take a nice hot shower and uh, a pain pill a bit later, and uh, make it through the day. And uh, Holly is, uh, you know, she's doing a lot of the stuff out in the yard I should be doing with the mowing and things, and uh, she's a trooper. But uh, you know, she's got to do that plus the stuff she does on the website. So. It, you know, so, yeah. me, but that's the way it is. Th- thank God that we that we we married up, uh, you and I, Stan. You know, um, <laughs> that's true. Uh, you know, uh, and, and my wife t- took ill, and I never, well, I, I knew that she did a lot, but you really don't know until it's not getting done, you know, and then you've got to take what she's doing as well I'm thinking I man I couldn't survive I don't think without my wife uh, so we both oh, married ditto, up ditto. Ditto. yep I, I, but we love you brother anyway. and we, we love her as well so t- t- start us out wherever you want to start well um, let's see what do we got here um, well we talked about the weather let's let's look at uh, I mean, 39 summers are getting hotter um if you click on the text there underneath it, image 39, it'll take you over to Climate Central uh, News Gallery, and you'll see <clears throat> that they've got a little interactive map there, and it lets you select your city, and then say show below, and it'll show you for the last um, 47 years how the temperature has changed in your town, in your city. Uh, what, what city are you guys in? We are in Erie, Pennsylvania, in Erie County. We're right in the uh, most northwest corner of uh, the map of Pennsylvania. Okay, I'm just clicking on Erie and putting it on this website. Wow. In that 47-year uh, period, your average temperature, your mean temperature has gone up over 4 degrees, 4.1 degrees, which is exceptional. Um you know, in, in centigrade, two degrees centigrade, which is, you know, uh, probably oh, a little bit more than that, I guess, but no less than that. It'd be less than that. Um, but two degrees centigrade will cause uh, an ice age when you're just having normal, you know, temperatures and living. All of a sudden, you drop, you know, your, your mean temperature for the whole planet by, or raise it by two degrees or drop it by two degrees. You'd have a, an ice age or a fire age, you know, a nice age where everything's warm and grows crops and that kind of stuff. So go to that, that link there and you can see the listeners, whatever state you're in, there are major cities in each of these states that you can click and see what the change in 
Or missing any other states, but that's, you know, the one that I thought was odd. I was going to check California and see how they were doing, but no. Anyway, um, it's, it's telling us, you know, in hard numbers that this global warming stuff that, uh, you know, was popular uh, in the press, being cow gases and greenhouse gases, that really started at least 1970 and probably before uh, that on the whole planet. So it's not just something that just recently come to a head because of our carbon dioxide levels and whatever. It started long before that. Um, anyway, look at that. And then uh, we'll go over to image 37. I was working on this today. Um, it's significant earthquakes over 4.5 globally. I took the study from 1936 to 2016 because obviously we haven't finished 2017 yet, so I couldn't put a global you know, earthquake uh, number. Uh, until I've got the whole year. But you'll see in this graph there, I've got a red line, which is a trend line, uh, showing the rise from about uh, 15 quakes per year average at the low end of the trend up to about 44. But that's just the mean. There's a black line like a C wave going through there. It's called a polynomial trend line. And that follows more closely the actual plots of the numbers of earthquakes per year. And you can see quite easily that that slanted up to the right and that there was a high period uh, between 2002 and uh, about 2008. Then it started to drop off. So the question we're asking is, is it going to now turn around at the bottom of the uh, low level we had in 2016 and rise up to be above that red line or you know, and still extend that curve up that way, that uh, black curve. Um, earthquakes in diverse places, well, I haven't added that to this graph yet, but um, diverse places means seeing more earthquakes in places that you haven't seen them before. And certainly, <clears throat> um, I noticed by going through the data that we, we had areas of the planet that uh, were fairly quiet, uh, but then in the last decade, they've started to have earthquakes. And, uh, some of them are associated with volcanic activity. <clears throat> now, Kim, uh, speaking on that, Kim, that's one of your listeners, uh, has sent me a number of uh, alerts on earthquakes increases, um, and one of them is in the Iceland area, one of the alerts, and it shows the number of quakes there. And then another one is in Tenerife, which is near the Canary, part of the Canary Islands. And uh, she showed me uh, one of the uh, people on the blog spot there was commenting about how the energy in the first part of this year of a quake release there in Tenerife was 62% higher than the energy released all of last year in that area from earthquakes. So it's good in one respect that the, the energy is being released in smaller amounts, you know, earthquakes that aren't really super bad, because that relieves the pressure in that area. You wouldn't want a Richter 8 or 9 in the, in the Canaries anywhere to shake the uh, Kubri. Uh, Vieja and make that put a tidal wave over toward Florida, Georgia. Anywhere, you know, in the East Coast, sorry. Um, it, um, I, I, yeah. Sorry. I, I just, I just noticed the, the up, uptick, the subsequent to 2001. It almost seems like a lot of things at the turn of the century really took a, uh, a lot of things changed. Yeah. In, in, yeah, uh, I noticed that too. And you'll see, there's a, there's a, a, a site that I link to an image 38 if you click on the text there. And that's something you can go and explore later. We don't have to, you know, 
Irish Insight that's been analyzing earthquakes as part of the increase in earthquakes that was mentioned in Matthew as a sign of the time. And, um, you know, they've got the graph I put up there uh, as part of my icon. You can see it over on their page. I think it's about the second graph down. And they measured from 5, Richter 5 up, and I measured from 4.5 up, so our curves are slightly different little peaks and stuff, but mainly we, we agree on this. I saw this website first and started doing some checking after that and building databases. And um, you will see that the the curve, the trend line for um, Richter 6 to 6.9 has about the same slope up to the right, same increase uh, as the 5 to 5.9. So we're saying that between Richter 5 and almost Richter 7, it's almost two full you know, uh, Richter count, that the increase follows the same curve. And with the 6 to 6.9 quakes, they don't just start to, to be exciting in 2002, 2001, like we were seeing on, on my graph. These things start, you know, back at 4 in 1935, and the mean goes up to uh, 16 or so uh, by 2015, which it shows a constant increase in those, not to a kind of semi not busy flat line up till 2001 and suddenly taking off like we saw in the <coughs> the average ones. <coughs> Excuse me. The Richter 5 to 6 show uninteresting developments between 1935 and 1960. Then they start to take that climb up. And so that acceleration of the Richter 5 to 5.9, that it started to increase in uh, 1975. Well, actually... Uh, yeah, maybe 1960, 65 in that region, I guess. But you can see that on that page if you go there. There's a lot of good information there. Um, and I, I think it's worth spending some time there. And he's got some other interesting things on his side as well. It's uh, very in- interesting with the with the uh, earthquakes that the, it, just as you pointed out, the 5 to 5.9 and 6 to 6.9, the increase is almost identical Um as you're moving, what, from maybe 2008, 2010? And, yeah. uh, and it does show that trend, you know, of, of increasing. Um, and I, Stan, how long have, have they been keeping track? Uh, how long have they been able to measure the intensity of earthquakes with the Richter scale? Well, the Richter scale was kind of the recent developments in, in the last um, century. Uh, but it's just a, a scale they set up. But they've been recording earthquakes and the results of them through history. And what USGS and uh, the European uh, equivalent of it have done is they've taken known effects today of a Richter 6 in a, uh, an area with certain types of uh, 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 geology and with uh, houses and roads and things and how far away from the epicenter the damage occurred. And they've applied that to their uh, Richter energy scale and been able to back uh, analyze earthquakes before we even had computers and stuff. So it, it, they've been able to look at things as far back as, oh gosh, uh, earthquakes in the B.C. period. So oh, wow. the accuracy, I'm sure, drops off over time. But um, the really accurate stuff that we've been getting, I, I'd say that in the, the beginning of the 1900s that we started to really get some high-resolution data, and we're able to correlate it into what we have today in the USGS. Okay. The reason I ask is because, say, we work backward, you know, 1835 to 1935, 
I was just wondering what what that might look like, um, because I know that uh, well, from what it appears from these charts, you know, you see spikes of activity, and you know, then decreases, and, and we're in a decrease now. But that well, decrease, that's only because um, well, yeah, it's a decrease. But if you'll notice, uh, it turned up on the last leg. It started to turn up, and I we won't know the end of this year if we have a lot more earthquakes to raise that figure. But if it goes true to form in that trend. It should go up toward the red line somewhere. Yeah, I mean that decrease we're in right now is still almost at the the top levels of, of some of the increases you know in the last hundred years. So yeah, it's yeah. Um, another thing too, too, that I forgot to mention about uh, you know, how long we've been recording these things. Uh, the USGS uh, didn't really start I don't think in 1900 with uh, seismometers all over the planet. You know, uh, we things were in. in Electronic technology and transmission of information were so primitive at that point compared to now that you, the, the data you get before, say, 1935, is not going to be as accurate worldwide. You know, certainly where people are, are inhabiting an area and they can say, oh, we had an earthquake that made the, the second and third floors fall off, but everything else stayed intact and it swayed or it didn't sway. That would allow you to, you know, that, yeah, we've had an earthquake in that area, and they could report it to the scientific bodies collecting information. But until we got organized on this planet and started putting out seismometers, um, we had no global uh, information network. Uh, I talked to USGS about this, and they said that their detectors that they have spread across the United States and in certain areas offshore as well can really pick up any Richter 5 earthquake on the planet. Uh, anything underneath that is too far away for their seismometers to basically accurately inter- interpret it. So there have to be other feeds that are coming into them from Europe and Russia and China and stuff to correlate the data. So it's the number of seismometers around the planet and their placing that helps get the data about how many quakes worldwide, you know, globally, have been occurring in a year. So I'd say 1935 to, to 2017 maps, or 2016 at the moment, are probably the most reliable because of that, and that's why I picked a, a 4.5 limit on mine instead of five, like they did on the graph and 38, you know, cell 38. Um, but even doing that, um, I, you can see that my two peaks you know, around the uh, what is that? I forget that about 
what's that? Yeah, it may have gone by now, but if you look up, if people on the East Coast, especially the North part of the, the coast, should be able to see uh, glowing clouds and reds and blues and kind of blue-greens up in the sky uh, as this missile went up to uh, release canisters of gas, of barium and uh, uh, copper uh, sulfate. Uh, let's see, what else do we have in there? Um Anyway, it uh, uh, strontium uh, and cupric oxide, which turns the, the gas kind of red up in that atmosphere. What they wanted to do was to put three um, color streamers up into the jet stream uh, below and in it and above it to do new high-accuracy uh, tracing on the wind in the jet stream because it's been rather erratic and it's, of course, responsible for the, the heat wave that uh, we're, we're getting and that you're getting a couple of days later. So anyway, you could have seen that if I'd have just thought and not talked immediately. I should have just said, look up. <laughs> I don't know so, if you so, can see it inland as far as you guys are, but uh, certainly on the coast over there, you could. Okay. Well, instead, so instead of a camera on a um, uh, colonoscopy, we just got a uh, barium, barium enema on the East Coast <laughs> by compliments of NASA on the military, apparently, right? Link I've got you down there takes you over to uh, watch live here down about the third paragraph. Let me see if they've got any live data coming through. Uh, looks like they canceled it at 8:58 because of weather. Too many clouds; they couldn't see the streamers. So, so this cloud mission, the purpose is to, to tell me again what the purpose is. Well, you know, um, they wanted to get an accurate look at the northern hemisphere portion of the jet stream. You know, the northern jet stream versus the southern one. They, for some reason, they are they are doing the test over the eastern coast, northeastern coast of the United States, and um, they they want to see which way the currents in the jet stream are going because you've got uh, like lower or closer edge of the jet stream one velocity and then another one in the center and then up above that on the upper edge another one but uh, they don't always go the same direction they curl so they're testing this method of, of analyzing the velocity and uh, the, the direction of the solar or sorry of the polar uh, polar winds the jet stream okay. But they're going to compare that with probably more rockets that they will send up in the future all at the same time to get the instantaneous read on um, the, uh, the the vectors, in essence, of the, the jet stream. Um, this is kind of important because the vector is, the jet stream is going kind of crazy and breaking up and then uh, reuniting. It does that from time to time, but it's doing it rather rapidly now. Um, may be connected with magnetic field reversal, you know, or weakening, and uh, may also be due to North Pole wandering, which it's certainly doing. Um, there are just a number of things that could be causing it. So 
at least they're sharing that data with us. They, they're using um, a little rocket um, that goes up for 10 minutes into the upper atmosphere and then doesn't go into orbit and comes back down. And they, I think they can retrieve those things. Um, you know, it's called a Terrier-improved Malmute sounding rocket. Sounding rockets are a cheap way to get up, get your instrument package up, get your readings, and then 10 minutes later, parachute back down. So, anyway, the, uh, oh, here's some good news. I don't know why it's happening. But over here, we were having lunch today out on the deck under the umbrella from the sun. And um, we were uh, noticing, well, gosh, look, there's not a chemtrail in sight in Colorado where we are. We look north and south 100 miles and no chemtrails. And it's been that way for two days. And it's so regular here that when they stop, you know, it, it takes a second for it to sink in it's a clear blue Rocky Mountain sky. Why? <laughs> What's up? And the funny part, we saw this, and uh, back inside, um, the uh, the power all of a sudden quit. It quit on the house, quit on the computers, the backup, even my backup thing failed. And I was really thought, well, gee, no, no chemtrails. Hmm. Maybe we're having an EMP attack. You know, we don't know about it. But... Uh, the mystery was solved within about 20 minutes. Uh, two power company trucks pulled up out in the back between all the houses and started ripping boxes open and, you know, playing cards or whatever they do while they waste time. And then finally we got the power back on, but it wasn't EMP. Thank goodness. Interesting. Interesting how, how but even your backups went went out, you said. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I guess we have to get a new one. I, I've only had this one for two or three years, and, you know, the system back up, it normally is supposed to go beep, beep. That right. means you got 20 minutes, and then beep, 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 beep. That's about 10 minutes. Yeah. And when you get the final warning that you got about two minutes to shut down, it's beep, 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 like that. This went beep, right. beep, <laughs> down. Yeah, that, 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 yeah, that sounds like it's reaching its uh, life. I mean, because I know here at the uh, studio, we, we've got redundant systems, you know, to, to Three levels, multiple levels of redundancy here for power and for uh, uh, other things as well. But hmm. yeah, wow. all right. Um, about, you know, sorry, go on. I was just going to say, Stan, we got about a minute before the break. Um, just wanted to give you a heads up on that. Okay. Yeah. Well, as you can see, this uh, this week, uh, my efforts at uh, research have been into earthquakes and. Uh, Still trying to find data files that I can use to uh, give us a semi-accurate forecast of quakes that are coming in an exact location. It, you know, the, the phases of the moon and stuff like that are fine, and it gives you a general idea that look for a big quake maybe, uh, you know, the next day or two as the phase of the moon changes. And, uh, you know, there are other things looking for runaway dogs and things. But when you when you just give a general prediction and say, yeah, look, Tomorrow, or when the moon is full, or it's when it's not full, it's empty. Uh, that earthquakes are going to happen, and we're going to see some fives or sixes somewhere. Well, you know that means everybody in the world, wherever they are, got to think. Well, do I need to be on alert for a big earthquake? So I'm trying to figure out ways to get back to what I was doing in 2006 with the Navy, and that was to find within like 100 square miles of where that thing is going to hit, and possibly how strong it's going to be. So Stand. I'm not finding anything of yet. I've tried in Europe, and I've tried in Mexico, and nothing so far. 
Stan, we're right up against the break. Folks, we'll be right back after these short messages. Don't go anywhere. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Eric's. Uh, it's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Chang Post in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to 18 major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We are offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either, but they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues, and so can you. Check out our American Heritage Armies kit at www.changewilsonwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. You can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Report ask you kindly to please, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We we do appreciate that. And that of course uh, gives you quick access to our content, but it also elevates our visibility. The search results it does wonders for the numbers. So please subscribe to our YouTube channel if you're listening to this, regardless of the venue. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Also, our social networking platforms. I personally have. Uh, I'm personally on Twitter at Hagman PI. That's at sign Hagman PI. Uh, ha- Hagman Report is also on Twitter. 
Facebook the same. I've got my personal Facebook, uh, Douglas Hagman, as well as the Hagman and the Hagman Report. Need to get the word out. We need to, to stick together in these times of uncertainty. Speaking about uh, um, getting the word out, if you want a great series of novels to give to your, your neighbor, perhaps, or your somebody that you go to church with, T.C. Joseph's This Generation series of novels, he's written a great Trilogy. The first book is Precipice, book two is Pentecost, and book three is Penance. And he's written this great trilogy. He's a, fa- a phenomenal writer and a fascinating topic. of D.C. Uh, Joseph takes us into the lives of three families in a world where conspiracy theories and Bible prophecies collide. This is a this would make a great Father's Day gift as well. Um, Kirkus and Blue Ink reviews give him fantastic reviews. He's a really talented writer. Readers of end time fiction will be hard pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable, fast paced. Blue Ink Reviews calls this series thought provoking and absolutely riveting. Folks, visit this generation com, or just go to uh, Amazon and order the trilogy there. One book, all three books. Either way. Standeo is our guest. And folks, go to standeo.com, bookmark his site, and when he comes on with us, you check out the show images page there on the right hand underneath the YouTube icon to the right of the microphone. And for those watching on YouTube, Eric has pulled up the page and showed you right where to go. Uh, Housekeeping, Eric is back, and uh, that's evident by, of course, our video. Also, uh, catch John Robertson. We're going to be posting the link to uh, Kate uh, Daly's show. Fantastic interview today. Uh, yesterday, I was with Kevin Shipp for an hour, and of course, he's the CIA case officer, counterterrorism expert, the intelligence hour with Kevin Shipp, and um, great stuff. So go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. I wanted to just make sure I got that in there. Yeah. Uh, Stan, on your uh, show images page under uh, image 42, Megan Kelly interviews Alex Jones. Megan Kelly, it was made the news today. She was a former Fox News anchor who left Fox and is now on um, NBC. And there was a story about her ratings today about how uh, her second episode that aired drew drew only 3.6 million viewers and a rebroadcast of CBS's 60 Minutes doubled the viewership. Again, a rebroadcast of 60 Minutes doubled the viewership of NBC's Sunday Night with Megyn Kelly. But she has interviewed Alex Jones, and Stan, I see you got the um, that article up on your up on the, the show images. Yeah, it's worth reading. Um, I'm not going to say that um, you know there's not uh, fire where there's smoke as far as her getting after Alex Jones because you know I know him. I've been on his show a number of times, and uh, sometimes you know I guess we all do it in the heat of the moment. We get excited, and we'll we'll shoot from the hip, you know, about a topic that uh, we've seen in the press that we're researching. And Megyn Kelly got after him for, I think, uh, saying, you know, that a particular massacre didn't occur, that the parents, you know, uh, of the kids at Sandy Hook Sandy Hook, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, had uh, faked their kids' death and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, as I say, I I don't mean to, to, to get after Alex. I'm more after Megyn Kelly for the, what she's doing here. Instead of picking on some of the good stuff he's done, she hit him on this weak point. And the, 
direct slur at President Trump because she says, you know, if President Trump follows Alex Jones, which she assumes, I guess we all know that he does, I don't know, then what does that say about the president who, you know, uh, listens or watches to Alex Jones, you know, extreme conspiracy theories and, you know, right-wing junk. Now, you know, putting myself in President Trump's position as best I can, as a manager, you're going to make the final decision in an issue, but you will collect information from the Alex Jones. Uh, you'll even read or watch some of the fake news uh, to get a broad sense of what's happening across the country and the world on the topic that you're researching. So if you listen to you know, fake news, which he's done, he comments on it on his uh, uh, text messages, uh, if you're listening to that, it's because you're seeing what they've got to say to put it into the melting pot in your brain before you form a decision and a direction based on everything that's happening that you can find out about. So I, I think Megyn Kelly is just, you know, she gave President Trump a nice interview before the election, and then uh, she just, I think she's doing this on purpose just to slam at him. I just, I find that sad, but anyway. Yeah, and I watched, uh, there was about, a, I think, a minute, 47 second preview of that interview that I got a chance to take a look at <clears throat> and she does um, Jones was making the point that you know he looks at stories from a number of different angles and um, you know different viewpoints and, and that yeah. he's throwing all this out there and you know she called it uh, I think disgusting the yeah. the angle that you know the, the Sandy Hook uh, Sandy Hook might have been not what it was reported to be and she, uh, there's actually, I'm reading an article uh, from the LA Times that are that's calling for uh, people, companies are, or people are calling for uh, the advertisers to sever ties with the company because she is interviewing Alex Jones. And uh, the article says in the days leading up to making Kelly's interview with Jones, activists are demanding advertisers dump the NBC broadcast, claiming the show is giving a platform to the pro-Trump host of Infowars. And the article goes on to talk about the tough situation that advertisers are in uh, and how this is becoming a regular occurrence every time anything happens or or, uh, there's a controversy surrounding something in the public eye that uh, there's a huge backlash. And one of the the latest ones we've seen is the the play in Central Park depicting uh, the Shakespeare play depicting the assassination of of Donald Trump through a recreation of uh, Julius Caesar. And we saw a number of advertisers pull out of the public theater, uh, Delta Airlines and Bank of America being two of the... You know, and and Stan, you've got the depiction of the assassination, as Joe, you mentioned, in the the Trump-like Caesar, Mm -hmm. uh, the the grotesque, classless Kathy Griffin holding up a severed head, you know, all of this. This is not just your normal publicity this has gone to the point of advocating the uh, killing of, of a president in my view it anyway is. it has yeah. I, I agree I, it's just open warfare against the president I, I, at what point do we say that that is threatening the life of the president and have the secret service go in and shut him down because if they don't do it they're encouraging the nutcases that watch TV out there that might be influenced by it to go and try to do it Exactly. And it just blows my mind 
that Kathy Griffin, if, if you do a financial investigation on her, understand how much, how wealthy she is and having her get up in front of uh, the TV cameras and saying, you know, he broke me, um, and, and not financially broke him, broke her, but he broke me. And of course, playing the victim. All right. You play in those waters, Kathy. You, you play in those waters, expect blowback. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. No, I, I just think the whole thing with the head that she was holding, disgusting, absolutely beyond disgusting. And, of course, this new Julius Caesar play, they can say whatever they want trying to re, you know, replay Julius Caesar in a modern setting, but they, there is no question that they are trying to stir up the psyche of somebody out there to attempt it. Uh, I just think it should That's be right. taken off the air entirely. I just, no, no good. We're in some... You know, we are, to, to me, we are in some very, we are on very shaky ground and in ter- territory that we haven't seen, at least I haven't seen in my lifetime. I don't know, Stan, uh, no. what, you, what you feel, you know, but. Well, we, got this, a, this we, we had a bit of, a, of, of drama in the United States back in the, the Kennedy era, you know. Um, but right. other than that, you know, most of the other administrations have had very little trouble compared to what we're seeing now. In, in the Trump administration, um, this is yes. not a good time to be dividing our nation against itself. Uh, we have China to worry about. We have Korea, North Korea to worry about. Uh, you know, we have Russia. And in the near future, we're probably going to have Iran to worry about and possibly Saudi Arabia, even though they, they think they're friends with it. Um, yep. we, we can't be divided here. In image 34, I've kind of linked to an article uh, about uh, General Mattis and uh, giving a report on how Russia and China are so far ahead of us militarily. And I was reading the report and talk on things like uh, our naval warfare above and below water level uh, is kind of outdistanced by what the Chinese are doing, and I think the Russians are ahead of us in one of their submarine programs, at least, that, that we can know about publicly. Uh, and, and, of course, Mattis is saying, do not t- cut this out of the budget. We want we need more defensive hardware. And you know, after eight years you know, of uh, starvation diet during the uh, Obama administration, uh, the, the military hardware infrastructure just aged and, and got behind the rest of the world in, in a lot of areas. And a couple of areas I'm pretty sure were ahead, but still, uh, we need that in the budget, and I support what General Mattis is trying to get across to the Congress. You've got to do this. You've got to do it yesterday. Um, and look, even without the worrying about the, the military stuff, look at the strategic situations developing in Panama. You say Panama, yeah, that's where the canal is, and China owns it in essence, the canal, and is now uh, making a diplomatic office uh, in Panama and Panama, likewise, back in China. They are making strong diplomatic ties with Panama now, which means that China can use the, the, the Panama Canal to bring in ships and unload them there with troops and weapons and, you know, either side of the canal they want to, for that matter, with the help of the Panamanians, which then leads to a Chinese force that could be moved up overland toward us, uh, you know, as part of an invasion strategy. And they already have their own port, China does, in the, the, the California. So the things in the ships could be brought in or, or be approaching that and then launch something we couldn't stop. Anyway, I, I just hope to goodness that we've got 
cool heads and clever minds in our uh, strategic uh, planners in the uh, military and in the administration as well that oversees that to Amen. get things done as quickly as we can to, to get up to defensive status. Otherwise, if Russia and China and one Middle Eastern country, country decide to invade us, they will do so and they will overthrow the United States. They'll destroy it. And I, I hearken mm-hmm. back to two things. Um, the uh, Dimitro Dudeman prophecies about the Russians, Chinese invading, and to the Hopi, they told us direct, Holly and I, that there would be Russia, Russia and China invading, plus the help of a Middle Eastern country, all at the same time, coming in and destroying America, and then leaving. Uh, they pollute the ground, I guess, with you know biowarfare and radiation or whatever they do, so bad that they don't want the country where they'll leave, and leave one swath of inhabitable territory, which is along the Rocky Mountains here on the the uh, eastern front, so and, and all the way down wow. into the, the Four Corners region. So the hope you're going to move up there, uh, up here where we are, when that happens, and a couple of other things that they mentioned. So that's why I think, you know, I put those links up there for people to go read those articles and see this is really happening. And I, I didn't put this other one up because it, it's a bit early yet, but Putin is making a deal with the Saudis. You know, China is making a deal with the Saudis. Uh, they all want the oil. And uh, so there are things that are forcing uh, partnerships with potential enemy countries together because of the oil and uh, the need for oil income by Saudi Arabia and the need for the oil itself by China and Russia. A lot of Russia's own oil is uh, paraffin-based oil. It's very thick and it takes a lot more expense to uh, refine it. So it's more costly than the Middle East oil, which you can darn near just put your tank and run with it. It's good stuff. Anyway, that's that's, Mm. that's that on that one. Um, North Korea, the little fat boy, uh, (laughs) he's... uh, now saying that he's going to, in fact, they may have tested, because this was just about four hours before we went to air, that they're going to test a missile for intercontinental distance. And uh, the Chicago Tribune, I think it was, this article's from, the Chicago Tribune said, okay, well, uh, this ICBM could reach uh, Trump Tower, of course. I mean, I wouldn't have thought of that. I would have thought anywhere in the country. But no, uh, the Chicago Tribune has to say something against uh, Trump, you know. <laughs> oh, gosh, it's just, I, these people can be the irrits. They really do. It, it's amazing how, how they take glee in their own destruction, which ultimately it would be their own destruction. But they they take glee in that. There's yeah. something there's something to be said about the the psychological mindset of these uh, these these morons. I'm sorry, but no, I'm not sorry. I just no, uh, they are I don't know. they are morons. Yeah. I was just reading an article on the Huffington Post that uh, picked out a tweet or two from Tommy Lauren. It was about the, um, there was an LGBTQ Q&A resist protest this, this uh, last weekend. And um, the article is titled Twitter School's Tommy Lauren. Uh, what she said was, um, she was talking about the the uh, LGBTQ march, called it a crybaby fest, and says, "What are they resisting exactly? Can any of those groups celebrate their pride without um, complaining about the president?" And this just reminded me of what you guys were talking about, and everything 
that any organization is putting together nowadays, whether it's a, a resist march or a gay pride march, they do lump the president in there. Um, you know, he is he, he is the the villain he, he's been painted as a bad guy and, and he's responsible for every ill and bad thing that ever happens in this country and and they are i mean these people they are bringing about their own destruction and they enjoy it and if we just look at the one issue of the uh the islamophobia complaints that the news media has every time there's a terrorist attack somebody calls it you know radical islamic terror the news media will will you know say that's basically hate speech and the how they have aligned themselves, the Democratic Party, the media have aligned themselves with terrorism to the point, uh, you know, they they only stop short of actually promoting attacks, but they do everything else in their power to to uh, you know promote Islam and Muslims. It is, in my opinion, a form of of insanity. Or either the people who are supporting it are insane, or they are being paid to do so. In my opinion, I don't know how anybody oh, could. Yeah. Aside from people in the American public, I don't know how anybody could believe that what they're doing is some kind of benefit to humanity. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's almost like they want their ten minutes of fame or something for for anything, whether it's good or bad. You know, they just got to be out there and be on TV or something. Everybody's got an opinion. <laughs> yeah, and we're, you know, we're we're seeing we're seeing more of this more and more, whether it's micro uh, microcosm uh, people out of some emotion, whether it's jealousy, envy, uh, pride, or this struggle for relevance, as, as you mentioned, you know, for their 15 minutes, or whatever their agenda might be. But it's sad to see this cannibalization that, that's taking place within our country. It, it, it's, it really is. We need to come together, stick together, and we need to, uh, and as Christians, I believe, we need to arm up, train up, pray up, and, you know, get ready to... Mm-hmm. You know, just just be ready. Yeah, you know, I sit sometimes out and have my coffee in the morning, and uh, and I think about uh, all these things going on around the world, prophecy, whatever. And I thought I play this little game. If I were the president, how would I solve such and such a problem? And today's was if I were the president, how would I solve the the Islamic extreme terrorist situation in this country? Would I have all uh, members of Islam taken out of the country because they are um, their religion is not really a religion, it's more like uh, an organization that's uh, dedicated to the overthrow of the entire planet and beheading of uh, Christians and Jews would I say, get out of the country uh, would that be fair to the families that are second, third generation here that are the peaceful you know, pacifist parts of the Islamic faith but if they follow the Quran or their children decide to do so and follow it to the letter, then Christians and Jews are the people of the book, it calls it the Quran, and they are to be made subject to uh, Sharia law and to Islam and to the Islamic community and to pay a tax uh, because they aren't uh, becoming Muslims. Uh, so how would I solve that, you know, and I... I think, you know, in essence, it's too late now because they are so deeply embedded in our society that terrorism can start with very small groups later on that uh, decide that the extreme portions of the Quran are what they want to they want to do and, and uh, get rid of uh, capitalism, uh, particularly the kind that we have in this country, you know, the republic. So, uh, you know, I came up with no answer. I 
I understand. Yeah, at the well, moment. Indeed. I, I have to say this, though. Uh, I, I think our problems began long before uh, Obama got into office. I think they, they were really uh, refined. The problems were refined under, under George Bush by not identifying Islam as the problem, in my view, anyway. Islam being a political system disguised as a religion, the imposition of Sharia law, of course, which is antithetical to the Constitution, um, where, and also on the, on the religious side, where, where Americans are convinced that, that Islam and Christians worship the same God, we don't. We have yeah. to, you know, so the lie is, has been repeated often enough and we find ourselves in this position. And certainly Donald Trump in a very unenviable position. But, you know, uh, yeah. the Illuminati, uh, Doug, uh, it, it, the Illuminati that we talk about is mainly the Christian based nations, uh, the um, Middle Eastern, you know, the Arab uh, Islamic nations look at what they're doing now in the um, jihad is a way to reverse the crusaders uh, and uh, the uh, Arab Muslims last conflict you know in the crusades to reverse it in, and to to overthrow the western christian nations now that's mainly as i say the illuminati um i suspect that the chinese and the russians are both a part of the illuminist uh, control but you know in all of europe but um these are basically christian type nations Jewish type nations and not Islam, whatever it is, you know, the Islam uh, form of government. You know, it's uh, anyway, they're coming for us. They, they are opening up the crusade battles again. And this time they've infiltrated this, they figured out how to do it. And I don't see a way to reverse it. Don't do it. No. Yeah. Ah. No. Now, okay. We all agree that we're kind of close to the end times, don't we? Yeah. Okay. I was reading in Daniel again about the the 70 weeks for Israel. Now, what basically those 70 weeks are about, as you know, is that God was going to refine uh, and eventually forgive Israel for turning against him. And uh, it happens in two stages. There's 69 weeks which have already happened in history as far as what would happen to Israel and them being, you know, spread across the nations. But the last week of seven years has yet to happen, and when it does happen, it will be restoring, at the end of it, restoring Israel into grace with God, and the temple will be there, and the sacrifice will start again, and they'll be in the good books again. The only reason Christians are in the good books is because the Jews were, you know, not carrying God's word as they should, and they were not living, you know, properly. They were mixing with the cultures of other nations and serving other gods and things. So what happened is the Christians were grafted in at that branch into the the uh, the family with the Jewish nation, but we were carrying the torch for God and the truth throughout the world while Israel was in the diaspora, you know, spread out across the world. Now then they're coming back to Israel in great numbers, and they've got a nation again. And very soon, the last uh, week, of, or the last seven years of the 70 weeks of Daniel is going to start. So it doesn't matter whether you have a, a, a belief in a rapture, a pre-trib rapture, mid-trib, post-trib, no rapture, whatever. What is really kind of important in this prophecy is that 
we are going to have a seven-year period of tribulation. When is it going to start? What is the sign of that? And I go back to that image of the Virgo, of you know, of the, the woman in the skies, and that's in slide 41, where if you look at it, I've gone back today, uh, back to uh, 5, 6 B.C., and searched and searched through to find any alignment that matches the Revelation 12 description any closer than this, and there is none. Um, they, it also showed me that there was a, a close to that kind of alignment that was interesting, but not enough to record at around three and a half B.C., which may have been the real birth date of Christ somewhere back in there. I'm still trying to find out the star that the Magi saw and, and, and from the east and came over and gave presents to uh, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. But anyway, looking at this, you'll see in this this image uh, where the moon is at her feet, just like it says in Revelation 12, she's clothed in the sun on her shoulder, uh, and she's crowned with 12 stars. And you'll see Mercury, Mars, and Venus in right in the uh, Leo formation. They become part of it, and Leo has nine stars, and these three planets look like stars, and that's 12. Um, you know, uh, it... I think that the tribulation may well start in September. What happens at that time and after that time is going to be more prophetic interpretation by people as they get interested enough to dig into prophecy and things like that and see what's going on. It is interesting that the there's a star, the Virgo star for the formation of, or the constellation of Virgo. Uh, that star in Hebrew is called, uh, well, in, in English it's say the Virginis, but in Hebrew it's called Heza. And uh, I've got that uh, and the description of what that means in slide 21 on the uh, show images page. And you'll see that the name of that star, like so many other stars and constellations in heaven, are, are, are tell the gospel in the stars and the names of the stars and constellations from the beginning to the end. And we're coming to the end of the constellation ride that we've been on since, you know, Garden of Eden. But that star, uh, Heza, that a virginist means, behold, the returning light straight from God to man. So that's telling us about the return of Jesus more than the birth of Jesus. And I think mm -hmm. that's important to, to note that that's probably around the tribulation time. He's coming back sometime during that seven years or at the end of it. So, so kind of a, a, a bookmark in the sky or signs in the sky to be... Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, just yeah. to tell people, look, God's word is correct. And if we analyze it deeper and deeper, we're going to see that this year we're going to begin that seven years of tribulation, the 70th week of Daniel for Israel. And right. that that tells us anyway that the world as it is, it's not going to always be this way, that the true king will come back and put the planet together in harmony. And I look forward to that one way or another. Well, All right. Well, Stan, you've taken us to the end of the program. As usual, we just... So appreciate your time, your gift of time. Um, glad to have you. Certainly glad uh, Holly shares you with, with us, and we really appreciate everything you do. And your Thank knowledge you is immense, brother. Well, you thank take you guys for doing all the shows you do during the week. That's that's a real dedication. We try. And, thank you, Stan. Yeah. Well, until next week. God bless you, my friend. Take God care. Bless you. Bye bye. Folks, uh, that'll do it tomorrow. You gotta tune in tomorrow, man. You just gotta tune in tomorrow. We are having a, a round table tomorrow. It's gonna be a, just a fantastic show. John put together a, a tremendous show for tomorrow.
Go to the show notes uh, this week on Hagman Report. You can get the the rundown on the show tomorrow. Yeah. But Liz Crokin, uh, Craig Sawyer, the Sawman, and, and uh, Honeybee, who That's was right. on last week, we'll be having a roundtable discussion in the third hour tomorrow. So you don't want to miss really that. Be good. Until then, stay safe. Good night and God bless. Thank you.